Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Hello, everyone out there. <laughs> How are you guys doing? I am Dane Alves, and we have a, another amazing episode. Wrestling Geeks Alliance out there for you. Uh, a show, if you're new, in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows from the past week. We got a big Royal Rumble to talk about. Shane McMahon. You're fucking fired. You're fired. And, uh, of course, a lot of the show stuff that happened uh, this week. So I can't do this by myself. Like I said, I am joined by Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am doing fantastic. I am actually excited. To, well, at least excited to talk about some of the wrestling I saw this week and uh, some kind of crazy news items. So uh, how, how's your week been, Dane? Doing well. I got my noon beer here, so I'm I'm prepared. What, what what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Rolling Rock right now. Oh man, I wish this was this is just a normal ass Miller Light, but Rolling Rock. I haven't had one of those in a while. That would be delicious. I'm excited. I'm I'm also excited to find out uh, from the amount of Rolling Rocks where this goes. But it always goes in the great direction, down the yellow brick road, if you will. But, um, yeah, we have a lot to talk about, man. And, uh, you know, some of the reviews of the shows, we're going to kind of talk about a lot of the highlights. Uh, we got a, quite a few uh, news items uh, to get to. So we, then we can talk about the Royal Rumble and what we thought about it. So let's start off our journey with the news. <laughs> so, I mean, let's just start off with the biggest story itself, I think. That's Shane McMahon. So, I believe it was Tuesday, Chris, uh, in which we, maybe it was Wednesday, I could be wrong, we found out some uh, information going through Twitter, uh, originally reported from Ringside News, that Shane McMahon had been let go uh, in a semi-quiet way, that's the quote, um, after a clash from other people in the company at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Essentially, the rumor is, and I've heard wrestlers that, in, including Jimmy Caderas, who is ex-referee over at WWE, uh, was doing uh, Wrestling Inc.'s after show, and just said this sounds very unlike Shane McMahon in general to be uh, having issues with other wrestlers creatively and, and whatnot. Usually, things usually uh, go together well with him, but uh, he was tasked, and I have no clue why exactly to put together the or work with other people to put together the women's and the men's royal rumble uh one thing apparently from what i'm hearing is that he was big on trying to get seth rollins involved in this royal rumble to extend the feud with him and roman reigns potentially even with him winning and also that him and brock clashed uh with their ideas for the thing I think that we can all say before even going over the show that the men's Royal Rumble uh, specifically 
kind of was a letdown, especially when the only legends are Bad Bunny and Shane himself. But, you know, despite that, there were issues. People were aggravated with him. And he was supposed to have some involvement either at Saudi Arabia and or both WrestleMania this year. So let go from the company. The biggest thing about this is this is Shane McMahon. And uh, he's related to the guy that's supposed to be in charge of this, obviously, Vince McMahon. He's his son. You know, everything that happened to Triple H as of recently kind of getting demasculated, if you will. Don't really know exactly, you know, I know that Stephanie works for the company, but not much has been said with her involving that. But now Shane returns, trying to help out, gets fired uh, in, a, in a quiet manner. I don't think it was that quiet, Chris. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, we found out pretty quick and it became a pretty big news topic this last week. Yes. So, like, I wasn't able to keep up with all of the news around this. I do know that after the Royal Rumble um, on Wrestling Observer Radio, when they do their Rumble recap, Dave mentioned that people had been talking to him about Shane kind of having some conflicts backstage with either different wrestlers and and when he was putting together the Rumble, which I guess he has done the past couple of years. He was the guy that was put in charge of putting together the Royal Rumble. Um, A lot of people were really down on this men's Royal Rumble. I actually, I'm not as big of a person that needs a bazillion surprises in the Rumble as long as what they're doing makes sense. My, my biggest problem is, as we predicted, if anyone listened to last week's show, uh, it kind of was very obvious that they were going to, because they're building to Roman versus Brock, one of those two had to win the Royal Rumble. There was like really no way around that. So, like, regardless of what the surprises were, the the Rumble itself, I kind of knew where it was going. <clears throat> um, so with the Shane McMahon stuff, it just has, like, shades of when Eric Bischoff got fired because SmackDown didn't <laughs> do as well in the ratings. Like, after, like, 82 days or whatever, it seems like they've almost scapegoated this guy. And, and by no means do I think he's actually never going to return to WWE or anything like that. It, 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 I think... You know, they had an investor's call. I guess it was Thursday. It seems like that was the move they made to have a scapegoat in case it got brought in question because a lot of people were really upset with this Royal Rumble. Yeah, it. it I totally agree with you with the whole scapegoat concept. Whatever happened in the back, whether... I, I definitely think that the Royal Rumbles have lacked certain uh, impacts of when wrestlers come out especially a bigger name you know once in a while this does happen but more often than not they get to the ring they might take out one person and then they're off a part of people fighting in the corners there's not a lot of sequence to build up certain people there's not a lot of basically just in-ring psychology obviously pat patterson that was his thing of being able to figure out what to do you know, to make big dudes look strong, heels look like heels, baby faces look like baby faces, and not have it random people just hitting each other, waiting for stuff to do in the turnbuckles. And that's what it's kind of come down to. Now we expect, I would say, some type of hint of, you know, some old name or, or someone you, you're not expecting basically to be a part of it. Like I said, for me personally, 
the two, the fact that people were selling for Bad Bunny in general with some of the guys that were still in that ring, and, he, and I like Bad Bunny. I appreciate that he appreciates the wrestling industry, and that you know he also worked his ass off for everything that he's contributed. And I really do love Shane McMahon, but that was your two, you know, guests. They were towards the end. They both got taken out. Uh, I believe both by Brock Lesnar. You know, um, it is. It, it, it does seem like the Royal Rumbles have lacked for a minute, Chris. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be hard to replace a Pat Patterson, but maybe they should look at someone that, that Pat kind of deemed his, his, uh, his successor with Shawn Michaels to try to take on this and add a little bit more intrigue other than just surprises for the Battle Royal itself. Yeah, and I, I kind of was talking about this with one of my friends. At at some point, you know, I I like the surprises. They're fun, and I think a lot of people look forward to the Royal Rumble because of that. But WWE's brought back pretty much everyone they can and anyone else they fired. <laughs> so, like, at this point, who the hell would they even bring back that would be a surprise without, you know getting some of the rumors they were talking about where like an Okada would show up or fucking Moxley's going to show up kind of something or Undertaker, crazy. you know, whether Shane or bad bunny were in this, I don't think that was the make or breaking point of this Royal rumble. I don't know that I would have had him eliminate Kevin Owens. Like there's, there's things in the rumble itself that were a little ridiculous. I will say that there was also some really cool spots. I thought, I thought it started out very strong with it being Nakamura and AJ Styles and uh, Kevin Owens and Randy Mysterio had some really cool ass spots in the match. Uh, there was good stuff about the in-ring part, but you know, what was last year? You had Christian and edge <laughs> as surprises. Like the, it, it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to do that every year, repeat where it's that big. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, the women's rumble is better because it had more surprises. And, and it's like, not really. It's kind of just the same people they rolled out the past two years. With, I mean, maybe with the exception of Mickey James, because she was the impact champion. But <laughs> the rest of it's the same fucking people we see every year. Uh, I, I almost think that they should go back to like a 20 man format for the for next year's rumble and just put in the best athletes they have and as far as like shane and bad bunny like if if you which bad bunny got a pop so i can't crap on it too hard but wouldn't it have made more sense to maybe throw like a finn balor and cesaro into that rumble i think that would have made it more fun than the surprises i think they get too hung up on the surprises some sometimes i agree finn uh apparently and we don't know what the reason is but He's back in the UK. Now, I know that he requested maybe that he go over and help uh, the NXT UK product uh, recently, and they denied him, but apparently he was over there, so I guess they just didn't have any idea of an involvement for him. I do agree with you. It should be the best of the best. Cesaro, I don't know what the fuck. I, I gave up on that, unfortunately. But at the same time, you don't necessarily have to go towards older superstars i mean besides legends uh you know making an appearance you could also have some of the nxt guys uh or, you know in, involved in some way uh we talked about a couple of them at least trying to get uh now gunther 
<laughs> involved in it, or you know, maybe even a Braun Breaker like they've done before. But I see what you're saying, though. I just, when it comes down to, my biggest thing is the placement of them. They were towards the end of the thing. I know that you that both Shane and Bad Bunny are limited, but it just, I don't know, towards the end, I just feel like, well, I, I guess we'll go into that with the Royal Rumble, but just kind of before I go into the last question involving Shane McMahon, you know, could they have used some NXT superstars to kind of beef that up? I mean, I think they could, but they've booked it. They booked themselves in a corner by putting two title matches on the show and knowing that either Roman or Lesnar are going to win because that's their mania match. Do you, would you really want like a Braun breaker or Valter in this knowing that they're going to get eliminated regardless? That's a good point. So, I mean, that's that's where I guess I didn't look at it in the same way as a lot of fans, because I going into it, I was like, there's no way that like Brock or Roman isn't winning this fucking thing because that's the mania match. So it, it all the rest of the shit in between. The only thing that they really could have done is maybe set up some interesting feuds. And, and that's my biggest complaint is normally you get kind of stories within stories in the rumble. Like I thought they would have done something with RK bro for yep. instance, or, uh, you know, a couple of even smaller stories. I think they did a better job in the women's rumble of like, okay, we can set up feuds out of the rumble, which they, in the men's rumble outside of Kevin Owens and Rey Mysterio being fucking awesome. There wasn't a whole lot to watch out of that thing. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with you. I guess the other big thing is, and you know, this was definitely presented uh, when I sent it to you as a joke at first, until I started thinking about it. Of course, right after this news comes out, there's many pictures made and, uh, you know, on Twitter of Shay McMahon is all elite. And uh, no, I'm not suggesting, I know everyone freaks out about suggesting anyone at this point for AEW. Um, but in the concept of, if I'm looking at big picture, if I'm looking at AEW trying to make a statement, the more I think about it, even if it was temporary, maybe like a couple month thing, even just coming on for, for something, if Tony Khan, based on the fact that they want to admit, kind of like what Brian Danielson was alluding to with John Moxley, that certain things are not taken seriously or, or people are getting disrespected or, or something like that. They need someone to, to, to zone in on and be a commissioner type to kind of like get the talent in order. If, and, and think about this, I'll, I'll paint this picture. Tony comes out, hopefully doesn't sound like he's done two lines of cocaine right beforehand, but just announces that he's sick of it. He watched someone go through his own table while watching stuff in the back during one of the matches. He thinks that stuff is getting out of control. People are getting hurt, and he's going to put a commissioner. And you start hearing the OJs, money, 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 just playing. And then Shay McMahon, McMahon, comes the fuck out there. You don't tell me that that's not going to get news, you know, that that's not going to garner a rating forward of what the fuck's going to happen. On the next episode with this, I'm just saying, big picture wise, if they were to attempt to do that, 
that could be huge for AEW. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm just looking at the bigger picture. Even if it was just temporary, if they were to convince, if, if I was Tony, and who knows if he did or not, I would have tried to get a hold of Shane to see if he was interested on anything. You know, an invasion concept, him being a commissioner, something where he could be temporarily in there as a specific role just to drive ratings. Uh, Chris, do you think that's a crazy concept at all? Uh, I don't think it's crazy. I think it would be entertaining as fuck. I don't know that AEW would ever do it. It could be fun, though. I think for sure it would be fun, and uh, maybe some wrestling fans would like that as long as you don't have Shane McMahon in a thousand matches or anything. I think that's one of the biggest problems with WWE is they try to they use his popularity to try to make him a wrestling superstar and he's in reality he's not a fucking wrestler um but yeah like him in some kind of like president role or whatever they want to call it as a commissioner or whatever to try to help regulate the show i i could see that being entertaining uh but more just leading back to what we were talking about at the beginning I mean, I don't think there's any actual heat in the McMahon family. It seems more like they just used him as a scapegoat, and his contract was only as a performer. So, like, him getting fired doesn't really... I don't know that it really equates to anything other than, like, we have to have a reason if someone asks about the Rumble during this call that we had on Thursday kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's just such a weird scenario. But as as far as, like, if if that would be fun or, like, a... A cool thing to do and if if he was actually pissed at vince something that they could pull a, a pull a trigger on and be kind of like a fuck you to wwe that's a, that's a good one um if i was going to bring in a commissioner to do something fucking weird and wild like that I, I maybe would aim for someone like jeff jarrett which i think would be pretty fucking hilarious yeah but i love jeff but which one would pop a rating more i mean big picture like i said if you had Shane McMahon come on there and be commissioner, just for people that might not have their eyeballs as much on the product, they hear that and they tune in for next week, even if it's maybe not something down the road that will commission as much as at right then and there, you know. And also, just to even like point out, Shane McMahon has been fucking burned by his father many times. He wanted to buy WCW. He had enough money. Vince convinced him that he'd have a lot of creative control and they'd figure it out and he purchased it. Shane wanted Vince to put him in charge of the UFC and try to run it forward. And Vince said no. And basically, obviously we know that Dana White and uh, the the brothers uh, purchased it and what it became, you know, Shane's been let go or, or basically had a dark period of time. He didn't work for WWE for a long you know, time. I just, I wouldn't, I could see Shane being burnt, and I could see this being something that, not just story-wise, but ratings-wise, could be a big thing for AEW to try out. Yeah, I mean, like you like you were alluding to, it definitely would pop a rating for sure if he if he showed up. Now, here's the, I think here's the caveat to that is what what it would do week to week because I think him showing up initially would probably pop a big rating, but the AEW fan base, they already bitch about WWE superstars being brought in and bringing in Shane McMahon. I'm sure that would, the toxicity would be over 9,000. <laughs> Even if the storyline they put him in was fucking amazing. I could just see the backlash on, on that, but I, I would be down for it. I think it'd be really cool. And, uh, 
it, it kind of is like when I was talking about how WWE should get ahead of AEW in bringing in New Japan and trying to make an open working relationship, which Triple H was trying to do, which that all that shit's out the window at this point, I think. Um, but it's it's kind of the same kind of thing. Like if you're going to take a jab at someone, yep. try to cut them off at the legs and like bringing in the, the boss's son to be on your show would be a big fuck you. Plus, like you said, it would it definitely would draw viewers. And that's that's the only reason I think of it as a possibility. It's probably not going to happen, though. Obviously, like you said, like I said, for all the reasons, probably not going to happen. And but it's just something to think about. And uh, just crazy that we are in a world where Shane gets let go from WWE. You know, it just things are changing. And uh, I don't know. That just seems like the WWE. Just who. <laughs> I, the, the question I have right now is who has more control over decisions between Vince and Nick? Is it the other con or is it McMahon that really makes the final decisions in all this or has the most influence? I should say. I don't know. I, I know that Nick Khan on the business call was talking about uh, the fact that all of their pay-per-views were actually up percentage wise and the company's doing better than they did the previous two years. And like everything seems like, it's in a good situation. I think a lot of that has to do with Peacock. I want to know how they gather those viewership numbers versus like what the network was. Um, I, I'm not to be a negative Nancy, but I do still feel like they're trying to sell WWE. So, so Shane McMahon showing up in AEW is not far fetched if they fucking sell WWE, right? Like <laughs> if Vince and yeah. Triple H and Steph all sell their stocks, then like, why not bring in Shane McMahon? I, that would be the the one uh, the one thing that would make me think. Okay, well, that would be if you're just going to bring in someone to be a CEO. But if I, you know, if, if Triple H wanted to do it, that probably would be the guy I would bring in instead of Shane. But you, there's a lot up in the air in WWE's. Like, but like Saudi Arabia money, am I right? <laughs> like, Ugh. what did they premium live shows? We're doing pretty uh, okay. We just got that Disney Hulu deal for was it India or something? It was um, Indonesia. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Okay, Indonesia. Sorry, I couldn't remember exactly. I just I know that there. No, you're fine. But that 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 brings up a, a different concept. Talking about Peacock, uh, WWE Network subscribers, people doing the pay per view, are some of the biggest, you know, amount apparently subscribing to that network. Peacock's not doing well. Um, at the Q4 earnings uh, that happened this last Thursday, it was revealed that Peacock generated $778 million in revenue for the full year of 2021, uh, but they lost $1.7 billion. So the app itself, yes, obviously there's going to be a struggle uh, at first. It, look at AEW, for instance. Tony Khan lost money the first year of it, but... Almost $2 billion? That's a lot of fucking money compared to the less than $1 billion that you, you got in. $778 million. We do know that, yeah, they are working with Disney, not just in Indonesia, but also some smaller other countries. We, we've heard these rumors about, you know, Dwayne Johnson, who is very close to Nick Khan. They were childhood friends. Um, and also Jeff Bezos. But then that's Amazon. But Disney, Amazon probably two of the biggest 
Peacock's not doing well. That's that that's a pretty crazy concept that they have lost Chris that much revenue in the last year that they first started, close to two billion dollars. Yeah, and some of the stuff they've done with WWE has been really weird because I haven't been a Peacock subscriber in about six months, and I don't think I've had any issue with watching these pay-per-views. So they're not even doing the WWE Network thing where they at least are charging you so that you have to pay to watch the pay-per-views, the $9.99 or whatever it used to be. Because like for the Rumble, like I just opened up Peacock, not a like I said, not a paid subscriber, and it's just there on the front right page, and I clicked it and watched it for free. So, like. all right, all right. Chris has Chris Chris has guys Chris has heat with me right now because I have been paying for fucking Peacock, and one of the only things I watch is the WWE Network, and I just found out he watched the pay per views for free on the normal one. What the fuck, man? I don't know, man. If they're not going to charge me for it, I'm not going to. I mean, if it popped up and was like, or, which I'm sure it will at Mania, right? It, that, that'll that be able to like, hey, you have to be a paid subscriber to watch this. But I kind of bought into it to begin with. It was like $4.99. And I kept reading online that like people, <laughs> people weren't paying for these pay-per-views. And I was like, fuck that. Uh, and I had other issues with Peacock when it first launched as well, as far as like their back catalog and, and, you know, it took them so long to get stuff transitioned. But, uh, as far as I know, or I, I'm, I'm about a hundred percent sure that I'm not a paid subscriber to Peacock cause I'm getting a bazillion commercials when I watch house, for instance, um, I didn't pay anything to watch the Rumble. I just kind of clicked on it, and that's one of their biggest shows. So, <laughs> you know, if they're talking about losing that much money, I don't know, maybe charge charge people to watch the Royal Rumble. But at the same time, it's like uh, WWE is not in the best spot to try to convince people to pay to see some shit. I just want to tell Comcast Universal – um, NBC, USA, the whole conglomerate can go fuck themselves. <sighs> Whatever. Anyways, uh, let's move on. Uh, we have a wrestler. <laughs> hey, Chris, a wrestler's returning to the WWE, uh, but not to wrestle. And we don't know exactly what he's doing or if Vince wanted to kill him for disclosing this information on his podcast. But the Olympic hero himself, the guy that does not suck, one of the best wrestlers and I will say it, sports entertainers of all time, said on his podcast that they want me to be involved in the show for the next month or so. I'm really excited about it, so we'll see what's in store for me. Kurt Angle, apparently from his mouth, has said that it sounds like building up to WrestleMania, he'll have some involvement in something for the WWE. Two questions. What do you think that might be? And do you think that Vince was pissed when he said this on his podcast before they announced it? Well, I'm 100% sure that Vince was pissed about it. But, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be something with Steve Austin because they've there's already been rumors out there that Stone Cold is going to be hosting Mania for those two days and that they're going to have they're going to bring him in for a couple of weeks beforehand. And, uh, I mean, people love Angle and Austin together, so I'm assuming they're going to do something like that. 
that would be my guess. Uh, but you could kind of put Angle wherever the hell you wanted to, and it'd, it'd be fun. I mean, he's really entertaining, right? I don't see him doing any kind of match. Uh, no. But I, I guess him and Austin, if I had to take a wild, wild guess as far as what they're going to be doing with him. If you just have him as a guest that comes on and gets to, like, you know, build up WrestleMania and gets involved, not necessarily directly in any storylines, but more interacts with some of the wrestlers, definitely Matt Riddle, Chad Gable, that whole entire thing would be fun to have him, like, you know, maybe giving advice to whoever, just being able to play. The the, the thing is, and the thing that he complained about is that he felt like he wasn't able to be the old Kurt Angle, that he was so scripted that it just didn't come off natural. So if he gets to actually play around with that, it could be fun to have him on. And then if it ends up just being him kind of co-hosting with Steve Austin and doing, you know, paying tribute and also just coming up with new stuff uh, between the two of them, that would be a lot of fucking fun. So I'm down for whatever. Uh, if if it was something bigger where, you know, maybe this is more of like a Kurt Angle that's being serious, even heelish, if you will, and is... If we're building up, which it might be, uh, to Chad Gable and Otis against, uh, you know, RK Bro, and him helping out and trying to like get Chad Gable and Otis, you know, better and shit like that to take them out. There's a lot of stuff Kurt Angle can do. Uh, the limitation from him as a performer will be if WWE is trying to control his character too much. That's the biggest thing. But like Chris said, if he comes in. Uh, even even a week beforehand, maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about, and it ends up just being him and Austin. That will be a lot of fun. But I'm looking forward to seeing the Olympic hero. I love Kurt Angle. Yeah, the idea of like Stone Cold as sheriff and Angle as deputy again, trying to regulate Roman Reigns with a small hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like trying to keep those two under control headed into mania could be a lot of fun. And, and like you said, they could do something with Chad Gable and, and, and riddle. Um, there's a lot of interesting things they could do with Kurt angle. And it, it, Vince probably was pissed that he leaked it a little bit. The stone cold, Steve Austin <laughs> stuff is out there, but stone cold himself didn't go on Twitter and be like, Hey y'all, I'll see you in a couple months. Hell yeah. Or anything. What? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm sure that pissed Vince off a little bit. I mean, that might even change plans because it's fucking Vince McMahon. Apparently, Shane McMahon was supposed to be wrestling Rollins at Mania. So who the fuck Jesus. knows what that company is doing? Yeah, I agree. Um, Jesus, that's not what I would have wanted. I'm just glad that I thought he came in to be able to do a stupid thing with Austin Theory where. Vince's golden boy goes against his son. Um, I love Shane, but as far as a performer anymore, him falling off of shit's not really doing it for me. So there is that. And if they do something, I love, I know this is kind of off topic. This is going a different direction, but Austin Theory and his involvement with Vince, Vince and how he treated AJ about how he was his bulldog and the fact that they've gone back and forth in interactions, I would way rather an Austin Theory, AJ Styles match for WrestleMania than the proposed fucking match with him and uh, Shane or Shane with fucking, ugh, that would have been terrible, Seth Rollins. So I, I guess we dodged a bullet on that, Chris. 
<laughs> I hope that they play it up in storyline with Austin Theory, where he just talks about oh, I'm Vince's real son or some some shit. Now that Shane got fired, <laughs> I God, mean, I man. would. <laughs> How many sons does Vince have? It's Shane, uh, Hornswoggle, Triple H, and Shane Austin Theory, and Hulk Hogan, technically. In Undertaker, I guess. Sean. Um, thanks, Dad. Uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, it's interesting <laughs> to see what they do, especially heading into Elimination Chamber because they threw Riddle and uh, and Austin Theory into that match, and it's like, well, what, what the. I, We'll talk about it when we get to the Rumble, because I'm confused on how they're going to build out of this now that they shove Brock also into that Elimination Chamber match. It's very interesting, for sure, man. Um, All right, well, talking about people coming to WWE, we have some people that left WWE because they were released and sent on their future endeavors and whatnot. But they're all free agents as of Tuesday of last week. Karrion Cross, Keith Lee, Mia Yim, Ember Moon, Dave Boy Smith Jr., a.k.a. Harry Smith, uh, Oni Lorcan, Graham Metalik, and Lindsay Dorado. Oh, and Eva Marie and Nia Jax. Uh, I don't think either one of them are going to be doing anything, but who knows? Um, they're all able to do whatever they want. Um, and that is great. And apparently coming up is the other round of people. Oh, no, they were also let go. Uh, apparently we have Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Ty Valkyrie. B-Fabs, Scarlett Bardot, Trey Baxter, Jesse Kamea, uh, Jeet Rama, Zander Ramir, Katina Cortez. You know, it just seems like uh, everyone's uh, everyone's good to go, man. We could be seeing some stuff happen. I hate how this always kind of relates back to the, the normal, but with the whole AEW thing. Um, I mean, the only people that I could see, Ember Moon. Uh, who just recently, uh, you know, helped Ronda Rousey get back in shape to be in the Royal Rumble, uh, you know, has been let go, I think would be a great contribution towards the women's division in AEW and some of your couples, whether it be your Keith Lee, Emmy Yim, or your Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bardot, um, maybe, maybe Ty Valkyrie as well, but that is about it. Uh, but a lot of guys, it's going to be fun to see them on Impact, on MLW, AAA, uh, New Japan. Uh, you know, the sky's the limits for a lot of them. Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik, especially back in Mexico, is going to be awesome against some of the people in there like Bandito um, and many of the other wrestlers over there as well. So, Chris, you hear this. It's time to see... Some people showing up in other places. What do you think about this? Are you excited to see, you know, AEW, Impact, uh, NWA, MLW, uh, New Japan, and also New Japan Strong and AAA gain a couple of these wrestlers that are now on the market? It's a crazy amount of talent that you just named. (laughs) Some of them that I forgot were kind of released because there's been so many releases this year as far as like when their non-compete was up and not up. Uh, Frankie Monet is one that I'm really looking forward to. And I'm assuming that maybe her and John Morrison will do something together. I, I would hope he would go to Impact. 
with Frankie Monet and do some stuff there, or Ty of Valkyrie, or whatever, whatever gimmick name they're going to go as. Keith Lee, there's been news around this week that he's pretty much locked into AEW. I think you said you heard Tony Khan on Busted Open talking about this. No, not specifically Keith Lee. Uh, he, he said that he has a surprise coming out, I think, next week, a big announcement. So I'm assuming that might be pertaining to these rumors. But with Keith Lee, do you think that Mia Yim would probably be a part of that arrangement? I don't know. But they're starting to build that women's division up in AEW in a way that makes sense. So she's not a bad pickup, right? I mean, they ruined her in WWE by shoving her with jack off and j-bar or whatever the fuck that team was but i think uh, that woman's division would definitely do well if you're just talking about open market with a mia yim with an ember moon and with ty valkyrie just for experience and being able to get some of those girls um that are less experienced a little bit but still doing awesome at a different level so i think they would add some kind of like serena deeb some teaching among the younger females as a part of that division. The the Ronda Rousey thing you kind of brought up like briefly, I think that's really cool that she helped train Ronda and try to get her back into ring shape for Rumble and Ronda gave her the thank you. I think that's a cool story. Uh, but at the same time, did she get fucking paid for that or did she just do that out of the goodness of her heart? She better have gotten paid for that. <laughs> okay, because like... You get fired by a company, and then they call you like, hey, can you come help train Ronda? I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Uh, I'm kind of assuming on that that Ronda contacted her, because I think that she helped her the previous time when they were both employed by WWE. So if anything, I'm I'm assuming Ronda's the one who paid her. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Grand Metalik in AAA, I think, makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. There's a lot of cool stuff he could do there. Um, I'm probably missing some him of the and, names you went over. Him and Bandito, him and Bandito or Dragon Lee would be a fucking luchador classic, just because of how agile they all are. Yeah, that, and if, you know, when Kenny Omega comes back, is he going to try to make another run for that AAA title and have to run through, like, a Bandito and Grand Metalik? Because uh, Grand Matalik versus uh, Omega would be fucking awesome. I'm totally down for Hell that. Yeah. Brian Danielson uh, wants him in a match, so maybe they can make that happen finally. Uh, I think they had a short match on WWE, but you know how that type of shit goes. Conan, man, I, 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 lo- I like Vikingo. I really do. But with the amount of talent that he has now in Fuse and AAA, you know, between a Bandito, between a Lince Dorado, between... Grim Metalik, Kalisto, all these great luchador wrestlers, Dragon Lee. I think it's time to put it on one of the bigger names, if you ask me. But I'm I'm not Conan. K-Dog's doing his thing. Yeah, Max Moon's out here just running fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> Max Moon. Oh, Jesus. Uh, shout, out, shout out to K-Dog. Sorry, I had to make the joke, bud. <clears throat> no, I get it. How do you feel about uh about Juice Robinson now officially a free agent? He's on the market as well. Um, I would like to see him show up in Impact now that he's not going to be doing stuff with New Japan, and maybe he can still do stuff through New Japan with that company. But anywhere he shows up, I think he'll be a good contributor. He 
is a a good wrestler. I just I've never dug specifically his gimmick because I don't know if he specifically has one, but I think he's a great wrestler. So, how do you feel about Juice Robinson being a free agent from New Japan? Oh, I'm assuming that he's still going to work Impact and maybe get signed to a New Japan Strong kind of contract, similar to what they're doing with, I guess, Jay White and Gorilla's Destiny right now. But I don't know. Maybe he goes back to WWE, Dane. He had such a good run there the first. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm assuming that he'll it'll be impact an Impact thing, right? Um, what what's what's was it uh, Juice and wh- who's his tag partner? Uh, David Finley. Finley. Yeah. So I don't know what Finley's contract looks like, but I'm assuming that they'll still be doing their tag team gimmick to some extent. I mean, if not, he can get in a uh, tag team with. Um, oh, now I forgot his name. Uh, Bray Wyatt's younger brother. Bo Dallas. I, yeah, I, I because can't they remember his act. Rotunda, yeah, one of the Rotunda boys. <laughs> they look, they look exactly the same in the face. So just one has a beard. They can be like the fake twins or some shit. Um, I'm just kidding. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, that's it, pretty much for the news, man. We have one more news item, but it's attached to when we talk about AEW Dynamite and Mister Brian Kendrick. But let's uh, let's get into some of this stuff. I want to get into the Royal Rumble, which we both predicted last week. Um, I guess the biggest thing is I was really jazzed going into this, and I'm pretty sure you were too, Chris. And uh, due to, I don't know, slowness, certain uh, certain decisions for endings of matches... I wasn't as uh, happy with the outcome. I liked a lot on the Royal Rumble. I'm not going to be one of the fucking people that says it's the worst of all time. It's like, go get a fucking life. People are going to claim that. People are going to hate it. I, there were a lot of redeeming qualities of this Royal Rumble. It just, every year, you know, you might have a couple ups. Like, I like the year where Brock Lesnar was a part of the Rumble from the beginning. That was a really fun one. But other than that, they've been kind of meh lately and we already talked about Shane McMahon involvement but what are your overall thoughts for the Royal Rumble this year um not as bad as people reacted to it I guess I mean I thought it was a a decent show I expected it to be a little more fun than it was uh but the two matches I was the most excited about delivered which was the Reigns and and Lashley match to Lesnar and Reigns match. I mean, as long as that's what they're building to, so building up to towards Mania, like that's kind of what I'm there for. That's the best storyline they have in WWE, and those two matches led into that, and even the finish of the Rumble. So none of it was a surprise or really bothered me that bad. Uh, the Roman Reigns Seth Rollins match was fucking awesome. I mean. I guess if I had one nitpicking thing to say about it, the finish wasn't the best. And mostly just because, I, like, if you're going to do the shit you did with Reigns, I would have had Rollins maybe get stretchered out or something or sell it a little more than he did. 
Yeah, I, I I would have to agree with you. I thought, you know, seeing a lot of complaints, you would think this is the worst World Rumble of all time, and I just don't I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, was there stuff that I th- I think one of the things uh, maybe if you're a Star Wars fan, you should listen to me. I think that one of the problems as wrestling fans with something like the Royal Rumble, they put preconceived concepts within it, whether it be based off of rumors or just things that they want to see themselves involved. And if they don't get those expectations uh, match, then it's deemed the worst. And wrestling fans in a lot of aspects have started to do that. Very similar, like I said, to Star Wars fans and or DC fans. And, you know, it sucks that that's how the fandom gets. It's a very toxic concept of if I don't get what I want, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, when people were talking about the worst Rumble ever, I was like, wasn't there a Royal Rumble where Yokozuna won? Like, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that one was really bad, if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, there's been some bad Rumbles. I think that, you know, the problem is last year you got Edge and Christian, and those are huge fucking surprises. The first time either of those guys had worked in kind of forever versus like what this and and also people are just looking at it from the one men's royal rumble and not as an entire show and i think as an entire show if the idea is to build towards mania you know what they've been talking about and trying to do was is reigns and lesnar and they delivered on that in both of these matches and they did their best to try to keep both of the guys strong uh while not burying lashley or rollins which i mean I, it was fine, and actually, I was pleasantly surprised by the uh, intergender match, mostly because Maurice was fucking awesome towards the finish of that match. I was like, I was texting you about it. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this ended up being way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, funny enough, the people really liked the women's rumble, and I had more problems with it than the men's royal rumble. <laughs> so. I guess we'll get yeah. there when we get there. I think I think me and you might have uh, might have had that same concept, but I thought both Royal Rumbles were fun. I mean, like I said, what are you going to do with fans nowadays? The first match I think was the match of the night. We had Seth freaking Rollins going against Roman Reigns, and just the aspect Roman comes out, he's the champion, you know, and you're like, why is the champion going first? Oh, there's a reason for it. So Seth Rollins, who, like I said, there's been this dichotomy, even Roman coming out to this seemed babyface as hell. He was smiling with the crowd as they acknowledged him and everything. Seth comes out. They're still behind him, but he's maniacal. He's dressed in the old shield getup and coming out to the old shield song, which was Roman's song, obviously, for a long time. The bam, 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 bam. Either way, he cuts through the audience, smiling, laughing maniacally, gets to the ring, and Roman's fucking pissed. They had a great match. These guys, I swear to God, they got in every single one of their moves known to man. I mean, there was a drive-by by by Roman at one point. You had Seth Rollins do the Phoenix Splash, which he rarely ever does anymore. You know, these guys, they had great chemistry because they know each other. And like I said, they're always going to have a relationship, and there's been many of these pairings in the past. But when it comes to what it reminds me of is Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They'll come back to this again. I think it's paused for now. 
But I not only thought it was a good match, maybe I'm crazy, but it almost caused a double turn between the two guys. Seth going into this, if it wasn't in the situation against Roman, he was a heel. He had been for a long time. He was getting under the audience's skin. Now presented for this match, it was a little bit different. Roman was finally starting to get a babyface reaction, and until... And this is while Paul Heyman has not been a part of him and kind of embracing it a little bit. By the end of this match, from what Roman was doing, he was getting the opposite reaction. Seth was becoming the sympathetic baby face. And when Roman choked him out and wouldn't stop after Seth got the ropes, you know, and got the DQ, a lot of people had a problem with that. I thought it was actually really good storytelling. I thought that. Like Booker T said, it was kind of like a double turn between the two of them. It, Seth came off more as the sympathetic baby face, and then obviously Roman uh, just acknowledging the crowd and how pissed they were and just being mad himself and yelling at them was totally the heel in this again, which is good because we shouldn't be cheering for Roman. This got him back to being the heel and the situation of where he is, whether that be for Brock or future against Seth, whoever that's back to where he needs to be. So I thought that was good. I don't know if Seth really needed 20 chair hits to the back. I know you are going back and, and doing the opposite of what Seth did to you. The one thing that still bothers you about Seth Rollins, the fact that he broke up the shield and took both you and Mox out. I get that. But at the same time, that was a real fucking chair. And by the end of it, the whole thing was curved in. Like, I wish, I know that we're not doing headshots anymore, but the body probably doesn't need 20 chair shots. That's all I'm saying. But it was effective. I agree with you. I wish that Seth was carted off or at least, you know, not able to walk up the ramp by himself. He got lots of cheers. Roman got lot of, lots of boos after that match. I thought it was a very effective match. Great storytelling. And both guys got all their shit in while still telling a great fucking story in between. And I thought it was probably the closest thing to a double turn I've seen in a long time within professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything to really complain about in this match. I thought the in-ring work was really good. Um, I really enjoyed Seth Rollins coming out to the fucking shield theme and wearing the gear and it, it, they definitely were going for it. Like, no, Seth is the baby face in this match, which is hilarious because he is the one that turned on Roman and Moxley to fucking begin with. Uh, but it worked. And, you know, if WWE did this more often where they tried to build off the history of this past stuff and didn't just only do it for like the shield, but maybe for former NXT champions like Nakamura um, or like if you wanted to set up a feud with Nakamura and AJ Styles, like building off of the past is not necessarily a bad thing. And they, to me, this match shows that it really works, right? And you can do a lot with it. But normally in WWE, they just forget about what happened the week before. So it, it's always weird when they do this. But in, in this match and what they were going for, I think it worked a lot. More of the problem with uh, getting Reigns more heel heat, I guess, is I get I, they're doing this for fucking. I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it. The Goldberg match, <laughs> because they, I mean, unless they're gonna push Lesnar as a babyface headed into this fucking thing uh, at Mania, 
I, I don't, you know, that part of it gets a little more weird is what Reigns is going to be doing afterwards. But uh, as far as like Rollins and Reigns and this match and the story they told, I thought I thought it was really good. And like I said, nitpicking, my only complaint would have been like, I may have carted Rollins off after he got beat to death with a fucking chair. And then I definitely wouldn't have had him showing up smiling and kind of laughing on the KO show the next night. Yep, I agree with you on that. I will say my favorite spot of the night, and I, I believe Edge and him did this throughout their feud, but Edge, I don't know, it just hit better with Roman. They were able to make it look a lot more realistic. Roman goes for a spear, and Seth catches him perfectly with a pedigree. Uh, I thought that was awesome. So, yeah, kudos to both guys. I thought that they had a great match, and I'm looking forward to them coming back to this sometime in the future, even if they're taking a pause from it right now. But um, next we had the 30-woman Royal Rumble match to determine who the number one contender was at WrestleMania 38. So this was a, I have some issues with it. I did like certain things about it. Uh, my first issue right off the bat, just because Maybe not this last year, but the year previous, I thought Melina had a really good year within wrestling between Impact and some of the things she accomplished, her match with Deanna Prazo over there, and then also stuff that she was doing with the NWA with her and Thunder Rosa. You know, Melina, like a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of the wrestlers, even like a male wrestler like Sheamus around that same time period, um, well, maybe Melina was a little bit before, you know, since she was doing her thing with Eminem. Either way as far as in-ring wrestling, really has shown stuff in her later career. So when Sasha comes out, is awesome. She's number one. And then she just kind of eliminates Melina. It was whatever, you know. But we had Tamina, Kelly Kelly, one of Chris's favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, Aaliyah, Liv Morgan, Queen Zelina, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke. Obviously, you know, Michelle McCool comes out. And she just radiates the stage. You know, The Undertaker's wife, uh, also one of Chris's favorite wrestlers. I'm expecting him at any time to come in and, and let me know that that's not true. Uh, but anyway, since he has not. <laughs> I was I was going to wait and bury it at the <laughs> We got some iron view. <laughs> <laughs> so Sonya comes out. Uh, Natalia comes out. Cameron comes out. This is a nice little area. Cameron, who was recently on AEW Dark not too long ago, having a match with someone. She was in the Funkadactyls with her apparent best friend of Naomi. And um, when Sonya, after her taking a seat behind the desk and deciding to call the match and enter the Royal Rumble when she wants, found out that, that Naomi used to be really good friends with Cameron. So Naomi, you know... Is about to come out right before she does. She just takes out Cameron, just flops her out like any other fucking wrestler, but medics around her and whatnot. Naomi's pissed, and she uh, ends up, you know, tossing out Serena Deville, who kind of does the same thing to her. I didn't really care about that. So a lot of the stories in this, I mean, besides like Charlotte and, and certain individuals, I don't give a fuck about Natalia. And uh, who the hell? Summer Rae and their stupid beef on Twitter I didn't know about. I, I didn't really care about Naomi, and I'm, I'm kind of over it. But I guess that they're probably going to drag this to WrestleMania. 
Um, but Liv Morgan was very popular. Queen, Queen Zelina eliminated fucking Sasha, which is crazy. It makes me think that somehow, uh, even though I don't really want to see this, that it might be Sasha and Bailey coming back to go against Carmella and Zelina at WrestleMania for those tag titles. They lost them. This gives them the titles back. I could just see that happening because of this. But Ivory was a cool person to come out. She was in her right center going off on all the girls. They all took her out. It was a pretty funny spot. Brie Bella comes out. Mickey James comes out. Two Hardcore Country, her Impact song, with the belt. You know, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, she eliminated uh, Chris's favorite wrestler, Michelle McCool, and several others. Uh, definitely. Had a good spot within the match. Fun to see her go back and forth with some of the bigger names uh, later on that would be, you know, in it. Alicia Fox was an amazing addition. Nikki Ash waited for uh, Mighty Molly to come out and beat the crap out of her and threw her out, but then luckily got eliminated. Um, no, she didn't. She almost eliminated, I should say, uh, her tag partner, Rhea Ripley. But stayed in it until Ronda Rousey came out. That was a big pop. I think everyone was excited about that, at least. Uh, we had Lita come out. Uh, we had Sarah Logan come out for like a little thing with I, the, the Bella Twins uh, taking out Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. She literally came out there, looked badass to be there to give Liv Morgan a reason to try to go after the Bellas and then got eliminated. I did like how when Ronda Rousey did come out initially... Everyone was like, you know, just looking at her in fear. You had the Bellas, you had Nikki Ash, you had Lita, you had Rhea Ripley, you had um, Bianca Belair, Mickey James, all of them still in the match. And she comes out and everyone's like face drops like, oh, fuck. Lita scooped out Mickey James, which Mickey retired, I, I believe, Lita. So that was kind of like a little, if anyone's going to eliminate Mickey James, she had a great night, I think, and was treated a hell of a lot better than I thought she would be. Um, but Lita got thrown out by Charlotte Flair, who's still in it. She's kicking people to the face, knocking them out like Ronda Rousey, like Shotzi or, or Shayna Baszler, who comes out, uh, does some, some double team stuff with her friend, Ronda Rousey. That was a little bit fun when they're about to go at it. Then Charlotte eliminates her. Um, and at the end of it, it was Ronda Rousey and also Charlotte Flair. Uh, everyone else had been eliminated, including Bianca, uh, Lita, you know, the Bellas, pretty much everyone that was in at the end. And, uh, you know, uh, the the thing that I had the worst problem with this, Charlotte goes for another kick. She's already done that twice to people, eliminating them. Right as they're at the rope, comes in, gives them a kick right to the face, knocks them out. Tries to do it to Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey evades it. She just fucking falls outside. I would have put a little bit more oomph to the ending but ronda won crowd went crazy and yeah that was your women's royal rumble terrible recap apologize it's 30 fucking people give me a break chris what do you have to say about this do you want my uh handwritten notes for this royal rumble for the review <laughs> is it a lot of automatopias and curse words uh, no, it's just pretty good. So starting out uh, on my notepad, I have Fighting Evil by Moonlight, Winning Love by Daylight, Never Running from a Real Fight. She's the one called Sailor Moon. 
<laughs> which is Sasha, because she came out dressed as fucking Sailor Moon. Uh, for Melina, I was like, oh, cool, Melina's here. She looks happy. And then one minute later, she's out. Tamina's there. I put Great Meteora by Banks, which I never say. Uh, <laughs> Tamina took that perfectly. Kelly Kelly entered. I put fucking get the fuck up out of here. This isn't a surprise. No one likes Kelly Kelly. <laughs> That's in my notes. Uh, Leah showed up, and I was like, oh, yeah, she still works for WWE. <laughs> Liv Morgan entered. <laughs> Zelina entered. And then it kind of just, I don't have any notes for a while, and Bianca Belair shows up. And I'm like, hey, Bianca's here. Hey, Dana's here. Hey, fuck Michelle McCool. <laughs> Dana Brooke got called by Reginald, which was pretty funny, just for like a one-off spot if you're trying to do a fun spot in the Rumble. Uh, Sonya Deville came out and set a commentary and i was like i feel like that they need to eliminate people if they don't get into the ring within a certain time period because now this is a trope they do in wwe they did it like three times in this night was like well they never got in the ring um unless they're ever gonna pay that off which i guess they would owe curtis axel a title shot because he never got eliminated that one time (laughs) yeah I, i don't care about seeing those spots anymore uh, Natalia entered and just immediately got her ass whipped by everybody, but that's because she's probably the best wrestler in this match outside of Sasha and Charlotte. She's about. Um, Naomi was in here for a second. Uh, they didn't even give her the Kofi. I thought she would get like a Kofi spot. They didn't really do anything with that, which was weird. Um, Rhea Ripley showed up and people popped for her and I thought she had like a good appearance in the Rumble. I had that in my notes. Uh, Charlotte came out and was awesome. I thought she was great throughout, even though she kind of did the Jericho. (laughs) I'm just going to hang out over here for a while towards the end of the match. Um, I put biggest pop of the night so far, Ivory. (laughs) When she came out in the right to censor gear. She was, like, more over than most of the people in this match, which is kind of sad. Um, Brie Bella and the Bella Twins. I thought they had, like, a decent run when they came in, and they were, like, doing the team stuff before attacking each other. I, I do like they went with uh, Brie kind of turning on Nikki. I just feel like that works better because Nikki's, like, naturally more hateable than Brie Bella. Uh, Mickey James coming out to Hardcore Country. I was like, at least you got to pick her own music and wear not Tanaka gear. <laughs> you know, what they used to put. <laughs> that's kind of, that's that's all I have in my notes. I was like, Alicia Fox. I was like, well, I guess she's not drunk anymore. It's like last time she was here, she got fired. For, <laughs> she got fired. Wrestling drunk. Um, Nikki Ash. I was like, no one fucking cares. And like her nickname, like her name is literally almost a superhero, <laughs> right? That's what the Ash is for, right? She she fucked up Molly Holly. What the hell, man? Yeah, and then the fans immediately turned on that. They were like, "Really? We like Molly. Molly's a good wrestler. Uh, Nikki's a good wrestler too. She's just like not that gimmick is not working. Uh, maybe she'd go back to crazy." crazy Nikki or at least do a bizarro superhero thing if you're gonna have her be a heel like change the gimmick up a little bit I thought Lita was fine when she came out she hit some cool spots um 
And then, I mean, that just it, it all leads up to what Ronda came out at 28. I think they missed some big moments they could have had with Rousey that actually would have helped her. Like her and Shayna having more interaction, I think, could have built up a potential feud for the future. Or her, her and Shotzi, like the two people that came out got, immediately after her. <laughs> I got really excited with her and Rhea Ripley. They were tearing shit up a little bit, and then it just ended. And I was like, man, the two of them in the ring would be fun if Rhea Ripley wasn't booked so poorly. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine this two years ago if it was Rhea Ripley and Baszler yep. and Rousey came out? Like, that just shows how far <laughs> Rhea and uh, Baszler has, have fallen because everyone wanted the yep. interaction between Rousey and, and Shayna. When she was in NXT, they're like, oh, damn, that'd be so cool. They could do like a four horsewomen and versus four horsewomen kind of thing. And they never got there. And now it's like they didn't even care. <laughs> like, did Shayna and her even exchange anything in the in the match? Her and, guess, her, I, I, her and Ronda her and Ronda did some double team stuff and then they were about to go at it. And then Charlotte fucking grabbed um, uh, Shayna Baszler and threw her over. That was it. That was it. They were about to fight. They were about to fight, and then Charlotte ruined it. Fucking A. Charlotte Charlotte needed the heat, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and the the rest of my notes are like, where the fuck is Asuka? Where the fuck is Bailey? What the fuck am I watching? Oh, cool, here's Ronda. Well, I guess we know how this Royal Rumble is going to end, which is... (laughs) That was that. That was it. Uh, fun. If you like surprise surprises in the rumble, I guess this was a little better than um, than the men's rumble. But like a lot of the people they had surprises with, like the Funkadactyl that got fired from AEW as well as WWE, then brought back to show up for two seconds. Like that's the other thing is like all the women that were surprises, maybe outside of the Bellas in this match in Mickey James, they all got fucking tossed within like one minute. Like Sarah Logan shows up. They're like, Oh, she's a fucking monster. And she's gone like 10 seconds later. <laughs> what, what the, what the fuck was, what was Victoria doing? What was, um, I don't know. Jackie doing Jackie could fucking make a run in for the Royal rumble. Has she even done it yet? You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's some, uh, better females out there to grab than fucking Kelly, Kelly and summer Ray. I would rather Tori Wilson or fucking Stacey Keebler making a goddamn appearance. Jesus. I messaged you. I was like, I don't remember Summer Ray at all. And then I also messaged a couple of my other friends. I was like, what did Summer, who is Summer Ray and what did she ever do? And like, uh, one of my friends responded back. They were like, I think she had an angle with Mike Knox. And she was, she was, was um, she was Fandango's dance partner. She was her, uh, his, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, what the hell, uh, manager, I guess, when he first started. Okay. She had blonde yeah, hair back I did, then. I had no idea who Summer Ray was, and they didn't do a good job of explaining it. So, look, if you guys remember who that, who Summer Ray was without looking it up, props. <laughs> There's been a lot of WWE since then, and uh, Summer Rae is not one that stands out. I was like that. See, this is my problem with surprises, because like you could have took out three of those people and put like Sasha, or not Sasha, but Bailey, Asuka, 
into that match and it would have been a better match. Yeah, man, four people. I mean, all of them are ready apparently. And besides Bailey and Oscar, like Alexa and fucking Lacey, all of them are ready to go. You didn't have any of them in there. You have nothing for any of those four to do. All right, whatever. Uh, don't get it. Uh, apparently, Oscar might be still injured, so that's the reason why her. But Bailey's fine. So I, that's why I'm assuming Chris, because of the fact that, and I could be wrong, because of the fact that Queen Zelina eliminated Sasha the way she did. This is somehow going to happen with her and Carmella putting those titles on the line against Sasha and Bailey at Mania with them winning them since they lost them to the Iconics and Sasha got all pissed off about that. I could totally see it going in that direction. Yeah, I, I guess they could go there. Are they doing a women's elimination chamber or are they just like, nah? I guess not. They, they, meant, they did not make it look like they are this year. In, but then again, it is in Saudi Arabia, so that's maybe the reason why. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Why the fuck are like, they doing this? That's eh, a different question. I don't know. The, the, they're still doing Lita and Becky, but I, I, I think that's the uh, the amount they're allowed to have, basically. Oh, that's so unfortunate, because that would have been a perfect time to bring back, like, Bailey. Yep. As someone in the elimination chamber, and maybe she starts first and works her way to the end. I don't. I don't know. This women's division is right now. The buildup is <laughs> Ronda Rousey versus a heel Charlotte or a heel uh, <laughs> Becky. Yep. All right. Let's let's continue down the card. We had a heel Becky going against Dewdrop. And honestly, the name Dewdrop is the thing that kills everything about fucking Piper Niven. It's still going to be like that. There's no way I'm going to be able to take her seriously 100%. They had a good match, I thought. You know, it's 13 minutes. But you knew Becky was going to win. And uh, goddamn, dude, Dewdrop, she did a senton on Becky, and she landed right the fuck on top of her. I thought Becky got, like, you know cut in half or some shit but uh decent match becky lynch ended up winning and this would kind of go over to what happened on raw with ronda basically being like bitch i don't give a fuck about you and taking her hand slamming her around and taking her microphone from her so uh i don't know what's going on with becky lynch but we do know charlotte and ronda are definitely going to be the match at wrestlemania so I don't know, but Dewdrop, did you think that Dewdrop was going to be able to win against Becky Lynch, Chris? Not at all, but at least she had a good match. I, I thought this match was pretty good. It, I mean, kind of gets overlooking, like, because it's the Rumble, and it wasn't the best match on the show, but uh, her and Becky, I thought it was a, a pretty good match. Dewdrop, the name is so hard to get by in your mind. I do like that she does the bonsai drop. That's cool. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Yoko. Uh, yeah, the Dewdrop name's killing her. And, well, it, I, I don't think it actually matters now because she's not going to be relevant until they get through Mania. I don't see them doing anything with her now that she's lost to Becky. Probably not. But, yeah, I thought it was a decent match. It's just hard to take a match seriously when you know ahead of time what's going to happen and that the other person's name is Dewdrop. All right, well, a match I did not feel that way about. 
Well, I do want to say real quick, um, Becky's selling in that match was great. There was some some really fun really spots. So it's maybe one of my favorite Becky matches since she came back. Yeah, I could definitely see that. So we had Bobby Lashley going against Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Um, my biggest critique on this match, I thought it was fun. You know, you had Brock Lesnar. Uh, it was a suplex off, if you will. <laughs> yeah, Brock Lesnar suplex Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley would suplex uh, Brock Lesnar at one point. They got to the outside. Bobby went for his spear through the uh, the the barricade. Brock jumped out of the way. He hurt himself. They go back in the ring, you know, and then Brock's hitting suplex after suplex. At one point, I don't know if he was twisting because it was hurting, you know, uh, because Brock honestly is one of the, the more safer people when it comes to suplexes. And he knows Bobby's size. I mean, these guys, even though they pretend uh, for kayfabe, they, they know each other in real life. They're friends. So I'm sure that they work this out. But it looked like Bobby was almost like, I don't know, hurt a little bit on one of his shoulders because he kept on like favoring the other side to get dropped on. But either way, they go through it. And then Roman Reigns comes out. He interferes with the match. Um, you know, there's a ref bump. He spears the shit out of Brock Lesnar, goes over to Paul Heyman, asks him for the bell by putting out his hand. Paul Heyman hits or gives it to him, nails Brock Lesnar. Bobby Lashley then takes out Brock. One, two, three. Bobby Lashley is your WWE champion. It's a 10-minute match. Um my whole thing is I think that they've really, and this would happen again on Raw, I don't know why MVP wasn't used as much as a talking point. I don't know why the whole entire concept was for Brock to completely just discredit Bobby Lashley in every way. I don't believe people like, you know, I, I appreciate Bully Ray, but he was saying that Brock would just do what he wants. I, it, I think this was a story they were trying to tell. I don't think Brock and fucking Bobby have much control over it, but it was like he wasn't even a thing going into this and that Roman was the reason why he won the match, which obviously that was true. I also would have liked to seen these two NCAA fucking champions from the past do a little bit more wrestling at the beginning of the match. I think that would have been a fun beat for them to do. I think a lot of people want to see that. It ended up not being that. I don't think Bobby, dude, Roman, uh, the person that has a universal title, especially Roman Reigns, is the main champion. The WWE championship is basically the IC title at this point. And uh, I, I just don't think this really made Bobby Lashley look that great at all um, with the buildup, the match itself, and then afterwards. But it still was a good match. Two big guys slapping meat. Chris, what did you think about this match? Yeah, I thought it was... It was done pretty well. I, I liked the uh, spot where right off the bat, Brock hits a German and, and Bobby just rolls out of it and stands back up. And Brock's like, ha and does his little Brock laugh, which is almost like anime Goku laugh at this point. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a decent match. I mean, I would have had more involvement with MVP. There was a Brock stare down at MVP for a second. And uh, like you said, I think Bobby may have tweaked his shoulder when he did the uh, 
barricade spot when he went for the spear and myth and Brock was which great selling by Brock by the way he moves out of the way last second and then taps his head because it happened to him in the five-way match if you remember he got speared the <laughs> speared through the fucking thing so that was like a yep. kind of a cool spot um they at least gave Bobby, you know, he put him in that full Nelson. So it kind of like Brock was fading for a while. There's parts in this match that look Bobby made Bobby look decent. Right. Uh, the problem is, is like, it's hard to believe that Bobby was going to win this match without some kind of fuckery. And the fuckery happened, which is what I predicted. And I think anyone that, was is really following yeah you did as well anyone that's really following what they've been trying to do to mania and or at mania in the storyline of paul Heyman and roman you know that's where they're going so if roman wins earlier in the night brock has to lose and win the rumble to set up that match like there's no way in (laughs) there's no way around that Uh, where it gets interesting is what they're going to do at at elimination chamber since they decided to shove lesnar into that fucking match which i mean maybe the answer is they're going to unify the titles but i don't know interesting stuff i thought this was a fun match it's not the best big man match i think lesnar and bobby could probably have a better match if they're not if it's not focused directly into this storyline that's the problem is like the match was less about bobby and and lesnar having a good match for the title it's about how do we get to roman versus lesnar That's the most important thing, and they would definitely finish that out at the end of the night. Um, so next, I, you know, somehow for for 12 minutes and 30 seconds, I had a, a bathroom break. Uh, I think I did more than just go to the bathroom, but um, apparently a match happened uh, with Edge and Beth Phoenix going against the Miz and Maurice. And for the play-by-play, I'm going to go and shoot to my, uh, my, my, my co-host, Chris. What happened in this amazing... 12 minutes and 30 seconds uh, match between uh, the two teams. I like this match. Why does everyone have such a problem with this match? I thought it was fine. I I Uh, didn't think it was going to be good, so therefore I didn't watch it, and I relieved myself and made a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it kind of... uh, It surprised me. I thought it was better than it was. So, like... (laughs) It basically, you start out with Miz and Edge, and Maurice was just doing everything that she could to do to avoid uh, Beth Phoenix, and <laughs> it was pretty good. And then uh, there's this great spot where Phoenix is behind Miz, and he turns around and was like, ah! So just typical Miz being scared of <laughs> of Beth Phoenix. And uh, I mean, the biggest thing about this is like the last four minutes of this match got really good. Um Specifically, Maurice is just out here saving Miz's life. <laughs> like, uh, she she throws Miz out of the way, so uh, he, he avoids a spear. Then she hits a Hurricane Rana on Edge uh, when, when Miz is, like, distracting a ref. And then uh, she goes up to the top. Or, no, she gives a... She gives Beth a DDT, that's right. And then Miz hits this, the skull-crushing finale. And, like... The crowd went silent, so they actually believed this near fall just because Maurice was kind of running wild. And, uh, yeah, then it was just Spear City by Edge and Beth Phoenix 
and Edge both hitting the what it, what the hell is her move called? The glam slam. Yeah, they both just hit a glam slam. And that was the win. But it was uh, it was better than expected. And uh, Maurice, like, I don't know, maybe she saw Lita and some of the other females there, and she's like, I'm way better than you guys remember me. <laughs> Because, like, I thought that she was really great in this match. I love Maurice. I feel like that she should always be with the Miz as a manager. I think that she's hilarious and does a great job. And, and uh, in some aspects of this match, even though they played her up as being the one that was terrified to be a part of this match, she was less terrified than Miz, which was kind of a funny juxtaposition between those two characters. Uh, so it was fine. I mean, it's a rehash of... Cena and Nikki versus Miz and Maurice. And I would argue not as good as far as the buildup, just because Miz and Maurice making fun of Cena and Nikki were fucking, that was fucking hilarious. It was great A shit, but it was a decent match. And I don't know. I don't know what they have Edge doing. I thought he was going to for sure going to be in the elimination chamber. So <laughs> I guess he's going to have another match with Miz. I still, I mean, uh, I don't know. It depends on what happens at Elimination Chamber. If Bobby wins and the whole unifying title thing is just to throw us off, kind of like they did with the fucking Becky winning both the belts, you know, and they're not planning on doing that, I could see Edge, you know, for some reason trying to get in Bobby Lashley's head and try to go for the title just to make that a big match um, by itself. But I'm not sure. Beth Phoenix, I know her and uh, Rhea, I, I, don't, I don't think this would happen because I don't know, even though they have two nights, if they have room for it. But Beth Phoenix and Rhea Ripley want to have a match. Rhea was very inspired by Beth. Beth loves Rhea Ripley and has helped her out in NXT. So that would be a fun thing. Miz, not sure what happens going forward either, but he's one of the best heels in fucking WWE. So she should definitely have some type of match, I would say, at WrestleMania. And Maurice, uh, you know... Uh, I definitely think can contribute towards the match with Miz, you know, doing what she does, you know, and uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's all I got to say about that. It was uh, it was a great match. It was great. So, so with the Edge thing, now that I think about it, probably the reason he's not in the Elimination Chamber is that he doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia. That would be my guess. Which is the exact reason Kevin Owens didn't beat Austin Theory or the way that they booked it when we get into Monday Night Raw. The reason they booked that is like Kevin Owens isn't going to fucking Saudi Arabia. So that they booked around that that way. Because he's not went the past like three years that they've done it. Because of the Sami Zayn not being allowed to go there and a few other people. He's been kind of open about that on Twitter and such. Yep, completely agree with you. And, you know, it makes sense. All right, let's go over the Men's Royal Rumble and get out of here for a Royal Rumba. Royal Rumble. Royal Rumba. That's almost what I said. A Royal Rumba. If you have, like, a golden Rumba that uh, cleans your house. Anyways, I thought this was a good one. Like I said, towards the end, I had a little bit of an issue. I love that AJ and Austin Theory really were in there for a majority of the match. They were kind of like the guys that held it down the longest. Uh, I believe Austin Theory, he was in there for 22 minutes, and AJ was in there for 29 minutes. But it first started with AJ, went to Shinsuke, 
Uh, fun to see those guys interact. Austin Theory came out. Uh, then we had Robert Roode. Uh, he was eliminated pretty quickly by AJ Styles. Uh, then Shinsuke was eliminated by AJ Styles. Ridge Holland came out. Also eliminated by AJ Styles. Montez Ford came out. Um, and then Damian Priest. Uh, I thought Montez only had nine minutes, but I thought he showed he had a pretty good showing. So did Damian Priest. He had 11 minutes in there. They both would get eliminated by almost in the future. We had Sami Zayn come out. And then, of course, Giant Oxville come out right afterwards. And it looked like just everyone just beat the shit out of fucking Giant Oxville, which is great. Um, you know, I, I forgot who was the first person to interact with him, but I know what ended up with Montez Ford doing the frog splash on him and Sami Zayn chucking him out. And then I think <laughs> shortly after that, Sami Zayn uh, was eliminated by AJ Styles. Didn't Styles hit the whole, like, you know, the forehand, backhand, leg kick gimmick? That's that right. does. On Knoxville, right. that was that was fucking hilarious. I thought Knoxville did a decent job selling here, as ridiculous as it is that he was in the Rumble. His preparation was apparently watching every match with uh, Andy Kaufman, which honestly, I don't know why the hell you'd you would do that as preparation for a you know a wrestling match. But hey, whatever, man. <laughs> Some... <laughs> Especially if you're not trying to get heat, it's not like he didn't come out. He didn't come out with a mic talking about how they need toilet paper and he'd bring them free rolls and throw them into the crowd or anything. Fight a woman on on there. <laughs> he should have he should have done a run in to screw over Beth and Edge to get the heat before he showed up at the Rumble. Exactly. All right. So after Johnny Angela Dawkins came out. Then almost, and almost eliminated Angelo Dawkins. He eliminated Montez Ford. He eliminated Damian Priest, you know, pretty quickly. And it would take the combined effort of AJ, Austin Theory, Chad Gable, Dominic Mysterio, Ricochet, and Rich Holland all to eliminate almost from the thing. The thing that sucks is that almost when it comes to his facial expressions, when it comes to his attitude, I think he gets it. But he's still very green with being able to participate, you know, within the match, but still, I think better than certain people, his size that have been presented beforehand. Ricochet came out. Chad Gable came out. Dominic Mysterio, happy Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Sheamus, Rick Boogs, Madcap Moss, uh, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre eliminated Madcap Moss and happy Corbin. Uh, giving their whole entire concept and, and, and fight. Rick Boogs would be eliminated by Happy Corman. Um, and continuing on this, Dolph Ziggler would be in, or taken out by both Rey Mysterio and Bad Bunny once Bad Bunny came out. And then we had, we're, we're going towards the end, we had uh, Drew McIntyre, after Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens came out, then Rey Mysterio, and then Kofi Kingston. It's where it sucks, Chris. We'll take a pause for this. I think this should be it, honestly, with the Kofi spots. I think that they should eliminate it probably from the males and the females. Um, you know, he's on the ring apron. Uh, Kevin Owens goes to eliminate him. Gives him, I guess, too much, you know, uh, push. Kofi goes to grab the outside and obviously touch the floor. 
WWE is very, very particular about stuff that's seen in front of the actual, you know, audience. And since it was very blatant and obvious, they eliminated Kofi Kingston from it. I'm sure Kevin felt terrible, even though probably Kofi didn't put it on him. But really, at this point, do we need Kofi spots anymore? I don't know, but I heard that uh, this may have changed what happened in the rest of the match. Like, I've heard rumors that it was actually supposed to be Big E eliminating Kevin Owens. Oh, because, yeah. Because they had, they had spots, I guess, set up with Kofi and Big E together in the ring. And when that didn't work out, I guess they just had Shane dump him, which is kind of why it seemed super fucking random. And I think they did a good job of covering it on commentary. But yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even blame this on Kevin Owens. I mean, the the room for error on landing and grabbing a barricade, then jumping back on the barricade and jumping back into the ring is like <laughs> so like a 10% kind of thing. Yep. It's it's insane to me that Kofi has been able to do it as much as he has. I mean, the only other person I could think of that would be able to do shit like that is like John Morrison, I guess, does some crazy shit like that. But like, you know, Naomi, if you're if your shoes a little wet or something like <laughs> anything can happen because, I mean, he got pushed off high enough to make the like stick kind of the landing. But like what happened is, is his boot his wrestling boots just didn't stick to the bottom of the thing and they tested the floor at least they didn't ignore it and actually call them out because i thought when it happened i was like oh they're just gonna ignore that that happened uh which would have been way worse right because wwe is kind of bad about doing that sometimes um if hey wwe if you want a good kofi spot in the royal rumble just have him win the fucking thing like that would actually be a better that would be a better Kofi spot, right? <laughs> well, um, before but, before but, yeah, before Matt Cat Moss got eliminated, he actually eliminated AJ Styles when him and Happy Corbin were going back and forth and eliminating favorites. And right before that, AJ eliminated Austin Theory. I really think it might be between the two of them at Mania, but we'll find out. But anyways, after Otis. Uh, comes out after Kofi Kingston. He eliminates. Um, I just saw Otis. Yeah, Biggie comes out after him. Uh, Riddle and Randy Orton eliminate both of them. Uh, we would have Bad Bunny who comes out. Who all did Bad Bunny eliminate? Sheamus. And that was pretty much it. So people saying that Bad Bunny eliminated a bunch of people, I guess, are full of crap. Uh, Shane McMahon came. Yeah, it was more. I think. I think it was more about him. People selling to him when he did his first, like you know, because a lot of people when they came out, they didn't have like this immediate Royal Rumble comeback. But Bad Bunny went out there and started taking out all the big names that were left towards the end of it. Yeah, I mean, with with Sheamus, he he pulled a Charlotte Flair. He eliminated himself because he was trying to kick Bunny's head off. He went for the fucking brogue kick and just That's right. over the road. So it's not like Bad Bunny fucking press slammed him over the ropes or anything. So after Bad Bunny, Shane McMahon came out, then Randy Orton, and then, you know, obviously 30 was Brock Lesnar. I thought they did something that was cool, but I noticed it was the same fucking thing. 
The Royal Rumbles have one thing in common. Both the winners were ex-UFC champions. When Ronda came out, you had this show of the people inside the ring. Like I said, it was Charlotte. It was Rhea Ripley. It was Bianca. It was the two Bella twins, you know. And all their reactions were like, fuck. They did the same exact thing with Brock Lesnar when he came out. Because you have Randy Orton in the ring. You have Shane McMahon. You have Bad Bunny. You have, um, you know, everyone that was left over from that. And all of them are looking at, and also Riddle, all of them are looking at Brock Lesnar like, fuck. And uh, Brock Lesnar starts chucking out people. Bad Bunny's gone. Shane McMahon's gone. Randy Orton's gone. And that was, uh, that would come to the winner. Brock Lesnar won. And obviously we know that he's going for Roman Reigns since that was set up so well. But, uh, yeah, lack of, uh, I would say, some bigger names than Shane McMahon and Bad Bunny. We've already talked about that. But other than that, uh, not the worst Royal Rumble. I just wish, like I said, when people come in the ring, I wish they're acknowledged larger than they are sometimes and be able to like go after a couple people instead of just coming in and being a part of the thing. That's my biggest problem with Royal Rumbles as of lately. It seemed like when Pat Patterson was laying it down, there was a reason for everything. So maybe Shane uh, being a part of this is not such a bad thing. I don't know. But Brock Lesnar won. This is exactly who I said was going to win, Chris. Yeah. I mean, we both we both had that prediction. It's, uh, I was super stoked about the start of this match. It was AJ Styles, Nakamura, and then Robert Roode showed up. Bobby Roode. And I was like, damn, AJ Styles is fighting Ghost out here at the beginning of this match. I think I sent you that in the chat. Um, there were some really good spots in this. I thought uh, putting Kevin Owens, who came out and kind of ran wild, and then Rey Mysterio came out and ran wild right after him. And Owens just catches Mysterio with a stunner. And Mysterio does like the best bump I've ever seen on a stunner is definitely worth watching this rumble just for this bump because he takes it and just moonsaults himself <laughs> into the bump, which I'd never seen before. And then he follows it up on Monday night by doing that like belly slide into a front roll against AJ Styles, which is great. So Mysterio is just on a whole fucking different level than the rest of the world, I guess. Um, almost. I, I love anytime almost shows up in these situations because my wife is like, that's a giant man, especially because she doesn't watch it that often. So that was fun for me, at least. Uh, Corbin hit a deep six on, I don't know if it was Ricochet. I can't remember who it was, but it was, it looked gnarly in the middle Dominic. of the ring. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like you spun that thing forever before you landed it. It looked awesome. Um, Madcap Moss eliminating Styles. I was like, all right, I guess, I guess they're gonna Ooh. go back to. Be... I thought that maybe they were gonna set up a feud, but then Styles is in the elimination chamber, so it's like, okay, well, that was just fucking kind of pointless. Uh, I can't, who the hell did Matt Riddle when he came in? He hit somebody with a German and took the soul out of their body. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it was now. Um. Don't you love so how a- um, there was a bunch of people saying this is the most that Matt Riddle is going to have for an interaction with Brock Lesnar? Oh, never mind. He's in the Elimination Chamber. Like I said, Brock Lesnar at one point might say he'd never work with Matt Riddle and tell him right to his face unless Vince McMahon says, no, motherfucker, you're going to. So just wanted to 
point that out. For people that are like, I know that it's easy to think that Riddle has kind of gotten buried, but honestly, he's already been a champion, two-time champion. Like, he's been a tag champion. He's been, what was he, the U.S. champion? Right? He's in the Elimination yep. Chamber. As far as, like, people coming from NXT getting buried, like, I would not put fucking Riddle on that list. In fact, I think Vince kind of likes him, and maybe that has to do with him and Randy getting along so well. Um which is crazy because Riddle was out there fucking taking shots at Goldberg. That should have been the match they set up for <laughs> Riddle versus Goldberg. That's the one we all want to see. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think Riddle looked great here, especially when his facial expression when Brock's music hit, when everyone else was scared. It was like he was so happy. It was hilarious. Especially because he's like selling because he just got his ass whipped. And he's just laying in the middle of the ring and Brock's music hits and they just show real space. And he just looks like he is just so happy to be there. It was kind of great. Um, yeah, the, this is like there's no way this is the worst rumble of all time because there's to me there was a bunch of memorable spots. I would say like maybe Drew McIntyre could have done a little bit more in the match. Um uh, Dude, a lot of people were mad about the way that Drew McIntyre went out. The last time we saw Drew and Brock Lesnar interact, Drew hit him with the fucking Claymore. Brock went right over the ropes, and he eliminated him. And that would make Drew go on to WrestleMania to then beat Brock Lesnar for the title. This was the exact same thing, except for Brock apparently learned from his mistakes, ducked out of the way, and Drew eliminated himself. Off doing the fucking claymore. It's the exact same spot. So I don't understand. I don't know. People are fucking pains in the ass. They also teased it earlier in the night because he did the same thing against Lashley. He's like, that's not going to happen again. When Lashley went to fucking spear him and he tapped his head and was like, ah, ah. <laughs> so, they, I mean, it was kind of the same spot. I like the idea of, you know, because Lesnar, if you look at him, you're like, oh, that's just a big, dumb, huge dude that could beat the hell out of you. But, like, I like the idea of them adding that to him where he's like he remembers shit from previous matches and gets better i don't know that you need to look into it that hard but i had no problem with that i uh, with mcintyre i would just i maybe would have put him out in the match earlier and had him eliminate more people um the bad bunny stuff i had zero problems with i thought the interaction with him and mysterio was fine uh you know he hit a c4 and I would have more of a problem with him hitting that move in the Rumble if I didn't see it like 78 times on every other wrestling product. So at this point, it's kind of pointless to bitch about. Uh, <laughs> like It was fine. And I will say uh, Riddle, I think Riddle's the one that took that. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. He leapt out of the building. Uh, Montez Ford hitting that frog splash on Johnny Knoxville was pretty awesome. Uh I, I didn't have as much of a problem with this. I mean, it wasn't like the best rumble I ever seen. And, and like I said, me and you both kind of knew what the finish was going to be just based off the matches earlier. Uh, but the in-ring stuff, like there were some really fun spots of this. There's a lot of rumbles, like specifically ones with Chris Jericho, where everyone's just laying <laughs> for like a long period of time. So like as far as yep. in-ring action goes, I've seen way worse. No, I agree, for sure. There's been, I think, just ones that have completely bored me. This one I thought was fun in certain aspects, and 
you know, okay, and dragging certain other aspects. But, I mean, they didn't put that many matches on the card itself. It was literally, what, uh, four matches plus the actual Royal Rumble. So I thought they did a good job on uh, adjusting based on that. But um, let's go into some of the, uh, the, 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 the talk on some of the shows this last week, Chris. Uh, any last comments about the Royal Rumble itself? Yeah, so this dumbass Royal Rumble or WrestleMania sign that catches on fire that Ronda pointed at. Apparently, they had to evacuate fans <laughs> from underneath this thing. Oh, did you? Did you? At did one you point, hear about at, this? They, they, it should have been like an ECW crowd because they would have been like, "The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire." Um, but the yeah, part this, that's crazy. Is they did it again when fucking Lesnar won the match. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was it was apparently not even on fire. The second time it was just melting. So we had this <laughs> giant fucking WrestleMania side just melting. Oh god dang. Uh, that that's that's amazing to me. That's that's awesome. I've, I've heard so many podcasts this week about Royal Rumble and no one's talking about the fact that this sign almost killed like. <laughs> 200 people below it which is fucking ridiculous like uh i mean obviously something bad happened but it's with the history of wwe and things from the sky maybe don't do this anymore probably would not be a smart idea i would i would assume um all right well uh let's move over to raw we're gonna do some highlights for each show but uh i think the biggest thing to talk about so we found out the match that will be at Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Beginning of the show would have, you know, Bobby come out, nice suit, him and MVP talking about their win. Uh, Brock Lesnar come out to take the the air out of his sails, if you will, and putting him in perspective. You know, he was in his normal uh, wrestling stuff. Uh, Paul Pierce, not Paul Pierce, uh uh, what's the name of that gentleman? <laughs> Dang it. Not Paul Pierce. He's from the fucking Celtics. Uh, Adam, Adam Pierce, former NWA there you go. champion himself. There you go. Adam Pierce, uh, basically said no wrestling tonight, but Brock, you are going to be a part of the elimination chamber in Saudi Arabia, just like you are Bobby Lashley. And, uh, we'll have the other people added to it throughout the night. And, um, you know, Brock says that if he wins, he is going to take that title against Roman Reigns and unify the titles. And it was it would come to to be Chris by the end of this night, Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, the champion, Austin Theory and AJ Styles. What a great fuck. And, you know, obviously, we know, Kevin Owens. Rey Mysterio would have been a great addition, but they're not a part of it. Kevin, for obvious reasons, some Saudi Arabia. But what an awesome elimination chamber. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's fucking great. I love the lineup on this. And uh we'll get I guess we'll get into the Kevin Owens match a little later, but he did a great job of putting Austin Theory over in that match, honestly. He really did. All right, we had Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley have their match. Rhea won. Their stuff hopefully is done. 
Uh, we have the Miz going against Dom Mysterio. It looks like now the Miz might be headed towards Ray, which I guess could be a good match because he beat Dominic pretty uh, pretty easily. Uh, I'll just take a pause there because the next one's the Kevin Owens uh, theory match. But anything about the Miz possibly taking a few towards Ray Mysterio after beating Dominic? And that maybe we're finally over with Rhea beating Nikki Ash between their bullshit. Yeah, hopefully the Rhea Nikki stuff is just done. But uh, as far as Miz versus Ray, that's if they're just doing that match at Elimination Chamber or on the pre-show or, or whatever the hell they want to do with it. I think that's that should be a fine match. I mean, Ray's gonna win, right? Big baby face win. It's not going to hurt the Miz. He just takes L's all day anyways. <laughs> That's a good point. Did, remember when he was champion? <laughs> like, not that long ago. For a day? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like the shortest reign. It was ridiculous. Uh, it's hard to hate the Miz, man. They, he just does whatever they ask him to do. It, it may be to a fault to some extent. <laughs> like... Maybe Miz would be like, I don't want to do that, guy. <laughs> Every once in a while, and he'd be more respected, I guess. Probably. I don't know. I think he does what he's supposed to do, and that's that's a good uh, you know, quality of him. Uh, next, we had Angela Dawkins and Dolph Ziggler. Oh, Angela Dawkins won. Weird. Otis and Riddle had a match, and Matt Riddle won. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was it. Uh, Bianca and Carmella had a match, and guess who won? Chris, Bianca Belair. So uh, I got the last match in front of me. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about those last couple? Angelo Daw- Angelo Dawkins, you won his hometown. That doesn't happen very often. There you go. <laughs> so uh, the one thing I will say about this is they fucking buried indirectly, not meaning to, buried Dolph Ziggler by being like, he's the gatekeeper for the new up-and-coming superstars. <laughs> and like anyone that heard that who's been watching wrestling for a while, you're like, so he's Brooklyn Brawler. That's, that's basically... That's basically what you're telling us about Dolph. I was like, man, I don't know who wrote that commentary line, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> poor Dolph. Especially if, if he came out of like, your mouth, not a good idea. He's he's looking at like one of his good friends, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, right now, and he's got to be like, the fuck am I doing in WWE? <laughs> uh, um. Everything else, I, I mean, the Angelo Dawkins, he's impressive, man. I think he's really good in the ring. Me um, too. I, I like him a lot. And then, uh, was this the scooter race that led into a match? I can't remember if that was this I, week. Or- <laughs> I, I was, I was, I forgot about that. They had a scooter race the whole entire time with Chad Gable, who was in his, you know, outfit uh, against Matt Riddle, who had no stupid fucking. I think it was like what what the hell he say it was for like a skiing outfit, 
Anyways, it went through the whole entire place. There was a bunch of segments. <laughs> One time, Chad Gable knocked into almost and just got stared down. A lot of funny comments. And then it would end up at the ring where Otis would jump out. Also in a fucking same thing skiing outfit. I don't remember what exactly they said. To knock off um, Matt Riddle and allow Chad Gable to get the win. And then start this match. What the fuck was that? I don't know, but almost has the most beautiful eyes. That's what Matt Riddle said. <laughs> he was like, you have beautiful eyes, bro. Um, I, I, I tuned into Raw a little late, so I missed some stuff and I had to go back and watch it. But my first message was like, are they really having a fucking scooter race right now? <laughs> Uh, it, it led to a match with Otis. Otis and Riddle look good here, but it was it it's like so predictable WWE where like Otis just demolished Riddle for ninety percent of the match. Like, yeah, we gotta make Otis look strong, and then he gets you know gets beat at the very very end of it, which is fine. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited for Riddle in the chamber. I'm excited to hear the interaction between him and Randy. Uh, the post Raw. You know how they do the post-media stuff? He's like, I'm I'm excited about being in the match and having a shot at the title, bro. But the, the thing I'm most excited for is telling my best friend, Randy. <laughs> I was like, shit. Orton's going to uh, kill this man. <laughs> I also love the fact that him and Brock Lesnar are going to have to interact more. Since, like I said, a long time ago, Brock told him to fuck off. <laughs> Isn't it going to be great, though, if, like, it's him and Brock first in and he just hits Brock with a massive fucking suplex right off the rip? Like, that's so easy to book. People are like, oh, shit. <laughs> really is? Well, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, Brock is always Brock, right? Like, he's probably like, fuck off. I don't want to fight Riddle. Like, fuck that guy. He's nobody. But now he's like, yeah, he proved himself and... I don't know. Brock seems like a happier person out there killing moose and mooses in Canada and naming him Adam Pierce and shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe Brock's, uh, you know, Brock's life might have changed. Those two years of COVID with him just being able to fucking hunt and kill shit in Canada. <laughs> made How him many things do you think person. he killed? I'm going to go with at least like 80. Because I think he owns a cattle ranch, so I'm going to throw some heads of cattle in there. Because I feel like Brock eats, like, two steaks a day. <laughs> At least. He eats two uh, steaks a day. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of cattle, bro. <laughs> that's so silly. Amazing. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well. We didn't really talk about this, but there's that video of like Brock putting Wee Man through a table. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Like, I guess before the Rumble, the night before the Rumble, they were all like hanging out, and there's a video of Brock like legitimately putting Wee Man through a table. Like, for fun, I guess. Because Wee Man's like, fuck it. <laughs> of course, it's going to be fun. I'm sure Wee Man was like, I'm like, nah, Brock, come on, man. Put me through the fucking table, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun video. People out there that haven't seen it, it's floating around on Twitter and the YouTube. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. Whew. All right, well, uh, let let's go on to the second to last thing from the night: AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio. Man, there was a lot of good matches. I mean, between Roman and Seth, between uh, you know AJ having this match against Rey Mysterio against uh, Austin Theory and Kevin Owens, and then we saw CM Punk and MJF, and also forgot there was another great uh macklin versus uh uh jonathan gresham a lot of good wrestling and i always appreciate that these guys most people that know aj styles know that as much as Shawn michaels influence on him probably someone that influenced him more so in a lot of people nowadays is ray mysterio uh the springboard moves that he does all the twisty twisty like things and these guys had a great match. One of my favorite parts, and I told uh, Chris this when it happened, I was like, did Rey Mysterio just slide out to the outside, slide on his chest, flip over, and act like it as if it was nothing that just happened to him? He's so fucking amazing for his age. And him and AJ had an awesome match. It's so funny that they've only had a couple matches that have just been TV matches. Put these guys in a fucking feud together. I mean... I'm sure that AJ would love it and Bray, but I'm, you know, this being one of uh, AJ's uh, biggest influences. But anyways, uh, Styles nailed a Pele kick and eventually got the Styles Clash for him. I love the part where he was trying to do the Styles Clash off the top ropes and Ray got it into a, I believe, a sunset flip. But everything, I mean, they were doing some great stuff. He went and hit him. Uh, with uh, the the six one nine went up for the the uh, the splash, AJ we get out of the way. It's like they knew each other's style so well that they were able to counter it, and they threw everything at each other. So I really enjoyed this match. I would love to see. I mean, honestly, WrestleMania is coming up. If you can get instead of Miz and Rey Mysterio, whatever the fuck you're doing with AJ, AJ and Rey in a fucking full fledged match. Yeah, I would definitely be very excited. But AJ won. He's moving on to Elimination Chamber. But great match nonetheless, Chris. You know it would be a really fun Mania match? They'll never do it. But hair versus mask. AJ Styles versus Rey Mysterio. Hey, man, I'll, I'll cut my hair. And I'll get <laughs> shit done in Gainesville. Uh, yeah, I wonder if AJ would be willing to cut his hair. He's had short hair before. It's, it's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be a fun well, match. I don't know Japan. if they'll do it or not. But... <laughs> Back in the TNA days when I was chasing, pe- uh, chasing people with a chainsaw. Did I tell you about this? I watched this early-ass episode of uh, Impact the other day. And... AJ Styles is chasing uh, your favorite Disco Inferno with a chainsaw. <laughs> what? Yeah, like he has a chainsaw. So bro, so bro, <laughs> so what I want you to do on this fucking show is you're gonna have a chainsaw, bro, and you're gonna come at him. Like, I wonder who so wrote he that. Busts, he busts his in backstage with a. Uh, S-E-X, which was the name of the group back then, because, like, oh, it's it's sex. You get it? It's fun. Uh, <laughs> which was Disco Inferno's group at the time. And AJ's, like, threatening him, and he's like, you got 30 minutes to get out to the ring. 
and Disco's like, 30 minutes? And he's like, 30 minutes? And Disco's like, 30 minutes? And AJ's like, 30 seconds! It's like AJ had fucked up his line <laughs> like three times in a row. It's definitely... Just look up he AJ got, Styles chainsaw. He, he got better at the mic. It. He got better on the mic, man. You know, shit happens. Yeah, this is this is like 2004, 2005. Like Raven was in TNA at this point, so like it's it's very early. Oh, was, that and Dealer Brown in 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 that during that time too. I think it's I think Punk was like 2007. I want to say, I, but oh, I really? don't know. I there's Dealer does that thing where he gets in. He does the head shake. And like Jarrett's like looks away and then just hits him with a fucking guitar. It's pretty great. It was a good episode. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is pretty good. Oh Slap yeah. Nuts. Uh, yeah, but um, I want to say like AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio absolutely killed it. Rey Mysterio is fucking baffling. Like you'll see nothing about Rey Mysterio, and then we'll cut like a great babyface promo, or we'll have these moments in the matches like that. That bump he took on the stunner from Kevin Owens was fucking incredible. Um, that weird slide front roll he did out of the ring. I think the only other person I've ever seen do anything like that is John Morrison. Because he's done weird slide stuff like under guardrails with a roll and stuff. Uh, I thought it was awesome. I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, I forgot to comment on the Kevin Owens match, but when I was talking about uh, Kevin Owens putting over Austin Theory, Kevin Owens hit everything in his fucking playbook. Like he hit the, uh, like where he backs up on the second rope and uh, jumps up to the top and hits the moonsault. He did that. He did the senton. He did, he did this, the power bomb on the apron. Tr- at least tried for it. He did uh, this gnarly ass. I it's I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but the way he took that stair bump where he actually took it on the stairs, like if you were falling down the stairs, that was nuts. Um, I'm surprised he didn't murder himself because his head did clap <laughs> the, the staircase. Um, yeah, it, that match kind of got overshadowed because Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles was just fucking great. But if you're going to watch two things on this, uh, or let's say three things, because Riddle talking about almost his eyes is, is worth a watch. <laughs> Definitely the Kevin Owens, Austin Theory match and uh, the, the, the main event with Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles. They were both great. Quick question before we move on to the last segment. Bigger influence on AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels or Rey Mysterio? Probably more oh. in ring wise. Man, that's so hard to say because also AJ talks about how like Ultimo Dragon and Japanese wrestlers inspired him. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I want to say HBK just because of the way he sells more than anything yeah. else. But he definitely, I mean, throughout his entire career, he's incorporated a lot of lucha stuff and, um very much doing off speed kind of things to get the advantage over his opponents. Because like when AJ styles, when impact first started, he was not one of the bigger guys. Like if you think about who was there, like, like on that roster, like Chris Harris and those guys were like way fucking bigger. I mean, he, he was in WCW, like all those guys are fucking huge. So like AJ styles is uh style, not as a pun, but, um, yeah, a lot of that speedy stuff makes a lot of sense with him. So I, I don't know. That's a hard one. 
Thought it was a fun question. All right, so the last thing that happened, back Becky Lynch came out talking up her championship win against Dewdrop. She also talked shit about, you know, Ronda Rousey uh, reflecting on them having past chemistry, but her winning at WrestleMania in the three-way match against Ronda and all that. So she's going on, and then Ronda Rousey's music hits. She comes out. Uh, basically, Becky wants an answer, and she's mocking her while she's on the ring of of who she's going to face at WrestleMania, who she's going to pick. And uh, Ronda just grabs her by an arm drag, slams her to the floor, grabs the mic from her hands, and basically tells her that she's going to tell everyone and answer the question on Friday. Um, she leaves. People are kind of like, ah, it would have been actually a pretty shitty ending of Raw. But then Lita comes out. Her music hits. Um, she comes and basically gets in Lynch's face and says that I have a match with you at Elimination Chamber. So that seems like the direction we're going in. My whole thing, I told you, Chris, is that I think Lita could have been against either Becky or Charlotte for the actual title. Even if you have Ronda Rousey in it, you know, going against either one of them. So... I'm kind of, eh, because obviously we would come to the conclusion Charlotte's going against, or she's Ronda picked Charlotte last night, so that's going to be the WrestleMania match. We don't know who Becky's going to be going against, but Lita and her, I would rather Lita and her at WrestleMania. I don't know who's going to go against Becky, honestly, at this point. Uh, maybe Bianca. That seems like the only other suitable person because of what happened at SummerSlam. But... Are you happy that Lita's going against Becky, or do you want Lita saved for WrestleMania since she's a legend? And what do you think about all this? Ronda's promo was god-awful. She needs a mouthpiece, especially if she's going to do this thing where the fans cheer for her, and she's like, I don't believe you guys. Um, Man, for someone that's acted before, this was really bad. Uh, Becky was fine. I mean, I thought she... It got better when Lita showed up. It felt more natural. I don't know if Becky and Ronda have like real life heat or something, but like on the mic, they had no chemistry together. And then the the judo throw looked awesome, but I would expect that because you know it's Ronda Rousey and she's like a Olympian judo champion, right? Wasn't that her gimmick before UFC? <laughs> she's like a gold medalist. Yeah. Um, why did they ever talk about the fact that she's a gold medalist, by the way? Like, they never bring that up. I guess UFC is more important than the Olympics. Um, I guess so. I agree, though. <laughs> like, she does have a gold freaking medal. I mean, she didn't have a broken freaking neck, but it may be something you could mention. Uh, yeah, this weird Becky thing. She got pops like two nights in a row and then immediately shits on the crowd to try to turn her heel. But Becky is also a heel and Charlotte's also a heel. Uh, unfortunately for Lita, I think that she is going to lose at Elimination Chamber. And here's the bold prediction for Mania. Well, not that bold because I made it a while back. It's unification of all the titles. I think they're going to set up a fucking. They're going to repeat that three way match with Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda. And Lesnar might walk out as champion at Elimination Chamber. They're just going to unify the titles. Could happen. I would love Bianca to be placed in there as a four-way match, even though that changes up what happens beforehand. But if they unify the titles, 
good what they're setting up, especially if it is just a repeat of the match from last year. But if they are not, then I really feel like Lita and Becky might extend if there's heel procedures in Saudi Arabia to WrestleMania. And then you have Ronda against Charlotte, which is, you know, as as uh, Rick said, and many people have said would be a marquee match by itself. Rick, Rick Flair's daughter, Charlotte Flair, against Ronda Rousey, two of the most, you know, dominating female participants in, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat, whatever. You, do, you just set it up that way. But it will be interesting, nonetheless, to see where they go. I, I guess it just kind of makes, to me, it makes Ronda look a little weak because she got beat by Becky at that mania. So it's... But people are still bullshitting about that ending. What the hell happened? Did the ref like accidentally call it like, you know, too many times or whatever, or something happened where it was kind of a bullshit ending on accident. I'm trying to remember. I mean, the finish was going to be Becky was going to win regardless because Ronda was out like what, like a month later. So uh, it, yeah, but there was a weird finish. I think either a fast count or like, Ronda was trying to kick out, or I can't remember exactly what happened, but it wouldn't have mattered. I think that Becky was winning that regardless, because that was at the... I mean, at that point, Becky was probably the most over person in that company. So I didn't see her losing at Mania in general. But yeah, I, I don't know. I I feel like they're they're going to find a way to set up... Yeah. I mean, the rumor's been unifying the titles for a while, so they'll maybe find a way to do a three-way match. Or it'd be, I mean, it would be really cool if they could throw someone like Bianca into a, like, just to change it up so it's slightly different. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, Becky's their girl, so I feel like, you know, she'll be the unified champion if they go that route. All right, well, question to you, uh, since you watched more of it since I was having some connection issues. Anything to talk about on NXT 2.0 this week? Any worth conversation pieces, Chris? Uh, Braun Breaker and Chaba had a tag match. That was pretty good. I'm trying to okay. remember who they went against. Uh, let me go. You did through my notes. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, yeah, they went against Legato. Uh, they went against Legato Del Fantasma, and they did this thing again this week where they're like, "Oh, dude, there's 15 minutes left." <laughs> here's the <laughs> next match coming up and then there's like by the time they actually get in the match there's like six minutes so that's still a problem um trying to think of everything. cameron grimes was on the show that was fun uh joe gacy beat la knight what so anyone that was like hey la knight it's gonna get a push he's gonna be going against uh waller so if you're excited about that good for you uh trick williams is great on the mic i hope he gets better in the ring see body body yep uh saray had her first match back and she beat kayla but like weirdly i guess it's kayla inlay i don't know but saray like took a bunch of moves from her which was kind of weird since it was like her debut match back but I, I, this was kind of like a showcase match of like, look what she can be. Uh, Cora J got fucked up by Raquel Gonzalez. 
That's the best way to put that. <laughs> and uh, there was a bunch of shit with Manny Rose that I didn't care about. All right. Well, that that sounds just intriguing. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time <laughs> to find that out. Let's go into the last uh, from last night. Let's 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 uh let's knock out all WWE. Oh, there was a real quick. There was an Imperia match. There's still come on Gunter Gunter, and he beat Brutus Creed to win a the six man tag match, and it was like just. They beat the shit out of each other. It wasn't a great match, but it it if you're gonna watch something from the show, it'd probably be this or the main event. Those those two matches. I for, I almost forgot about the fucking Imperium match against Diamond Mine because it was at the beginning of the show. Just like okay, gotcha. All right. Well, uh, did you did you get a chance to uh, watch SmackDown last night at all? I did not. I was going to tune into it because, like, I was a little late on the start time, but then when you sent me a particular GIF, I was like, fuck that, and I didn't watch it, so. <laughs> All right, well, um, you know, and I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll go through it. I'll kind of tell you some of the, uh, the beginning parts. Uh, so we had the Bloodline come out with Paul Heyman, and uh, Paul Heyman is talking up Roman Reigns, and said that nothing was planned, that everything that they did was in the moment, that when he was able to realize that Brock was not going to be the suitable person for him to follow, Roman extended his hand, and he did the only thing that's smart for him to do, realizing that Roman was extending his hand to be a part of the family again, handing him the title to take out Brock Lesnar, so at one point, Bill Goldberg's music hits. And they talk about, on commentary, about how this match was supposed to happen at WrestleMania a couple of years ago and obviously did not. Um, I think that was uh, during the COVID era. I think that was that WrestleMania where Roman decided to duck out because of obviously not knowing a lot about the whole thing at the time and him being asymptomatic due, due to... Uh, cancer or coming off of it but well, he, Obert- he, um, didn't didn't he actually that's when the leukemia stuff started was right after covid hit no because, because he, 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 he did he, that he, came, he did he did his debut in atlanta right before that with a full arena where i was at saying that he uh, won leukemia or he, he beat it so it was more about the fact that he was asymptomatic because of it that kept him out from the WrestleMania. Oh my God. COVID's been so long, dude, that I'm mixing up timelines because there was also, they were talking about doing that match when Roman was on, didn't he show up on like NXT and do like a weird interview? They made a bunch of Hunter Triple H jokes. It was like no crowd. Remember when there was no crowd in wrestling for a while? So weird. Not um, even a year ago, man. <laughs> Royal Rumble. <laughs> we watched Royal Rumble last year with no crowd. Remember that. It's so fucking weird. So sorry, sorry, listeners out there. I am confusing two different moments, but they, they, yeah, they've been trying to get Goldberg and Roman for a while. You know, spear versus spear, I guess, uh, even though that's Roman's finishing and obviously Goldberg, you know, you can say what you want about Goldberg. The jackhammer is an awesome move. And the thing that Braun Breaker uses because his quote unquote, Godfather, uh, Bill Goldberg told him to use the, 
the gorilla press slam into the front power slam. Uh, you know, he's he, he's got some stuff. But anyways, yeah, he comes out and he says, I will acknowledge you. And, the, and then he says, as the next person uh, that I will face at Saudi Arabia and puts out the whole challenge. So we're getting Bill Goldberg against Roman Reigns. Other than the Undertaker match, Chris, I think Goldberg's not done a bad job um, as of lately, I will say. We still have to worry about that concept because, you know, he's so fucking frantic and and full of energy that he goes and spears the metal pole and causes him to get concussed and then almost drops. No, literally drops fucking Undertaker on his head. Everything that we've seen beforehand, but. Hey, is is this not a, we know he's going to win. Is this not another good person for Roman Reigns to get, you know, as at, that he beats in his long lineup of wrestlers leading to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? That's the only thing that I can say might be positive about this. Do you think they might do a swerve and have Lesnar interfere in this match calls a DQ? Could be. Um but that, I do not but, 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 I do not want a three-way setup between Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, and fucking Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Well, he could have, Roman could win, like, if Brock comes out and kills Goldberg, they have history, right? Instead of attacking uh, Roman, he does, like, the CM Punk thing, where he attacks MJF's opponent. Remember that? Like, he could do something like that, I guess, if they're being creative. That would piss a lot of people in South True. Dallas, so I don't think they're going to do that. Um, Paul's there, right? I'm assuming this match will be very similar to the Lesnar versus Goldberg match. The problem with Goldberg and Undertaker is like they really wanted to have a good match, but like one Goldberg was never that great of a wrestler, and two Undertaker's like way past his prime at that point. So I don't know if they just do what they did with Lesnar and Goldberg. I think it'll be fine, right? serviceable and you can still protect Goldberg if you want to simply because like the bloodline and the Usos, etc. Yeah. No, um, my biggest thing is I told us to you, it's like, we know this, like the last match on his contract that he has. Um, it sucks. I know that they, they were trying to do a match beforehand. We even remember a long time ago on raw, when Goldberg met up with Roman Reigns in the ring and they had like a little bit of stare off. I think this is more about what Goldberg really wants to do, but it sucks because Biggie has now been, you know, put back into the tag division. He's on SmackDown. Now they even change his graphic where he's all like smiley, you know, unlike beforehand when he was the champion and he really wanted this match with Goldberg and obviously didn't happen. Just kind of sucks in that realm as well. But like I said, even though there's this asterisk next to Seth Rollins that we'll probably go back to soon after Mania, you know, this is a good person for for his his winning fucking career as champion, universe champion for Roman Reigns to beat a Bill Goldberg in any capacity. Yeah. I don't you know, if I was Roman Reigns, I'd would try to see if Goldberg would let me beat him with his own finish. And if not, I would try to do like John Cena's FU 
as a finish or something. God, that would be I awesome. Fucking hate, I fucking hate Goldberg. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I can't, he's a nice parent person. He, he donates to charity, but he is just like, even as a WCW fan, I was never a huge fan of Goldberg. Like the Me whole either. streak thing, his matches were never that good. It's I was always more of like a Sting Flair kind of guy versus him, or even like Cruiserweight, like you know the Benoits and Eddie Guerrero's and Rey Mysterio's of the world. Um, Jericho with his stupid fucking top knot <laughs> thing that he used to do with his hair. Uh, I I. I just have never gotten Goldberg or why people are into him and me seeing Goldberg this many years later it's just like all right it gives I mean I'm it's funny that him and Lesnar are kind of here at the same time because like the way they booked that match they had a really shitty match and like how do we get out of this they're like well, I don't know we'll have Steve Austin give both of them a fucking stunner <laughs> like that's <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sums up Goldberg to me. It's just, just I don't know. I, and also, no, like, I feel he, you. he he beat Owens for the title, like only to drop it back to Lesnar. Like, there's a bunch of shit that's just with with him in general. It's just like whatever. So I hope Roman kills him, but like not actively kill him, but you know, in 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 the match, like just absolutely destroys him. And and the weird thing about Roman right now is Drew McIntyre beat Goldberg in like 30 seconds at the last Saudi show, right? Yeah. So why is why is this even a match? And if Roman doesn't destroy him, if you're a fan and you've been watching the show for a long time, you're like, so like Drew McIntyre should actually be in the title picture. They're like, nah, dude, you see how we booked Drew McIntyre? That's never happening. He's got a sword though. It's cool. Got a large ass sword. All right, so we're gonna play a game. I'm gonna tell you what happened on the card. You pause me if you want to talk about said match. All right, so we have Ricochet going against Ridge Holland. It was obviously due to the fact that Ridge Holland got his nose broken. He has now a face mask, very similar to his his teacher Sheamus from when he got his nose broken not too long ago. Uh, Ricochet defeated Holland. Holland and Sheamus uh, then defeated Ricochet and Cesaro, which was put into place shortly after, you know, making a two-on-two. And um, yeah, that 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 was uh, that was good stuff. Eric went against Jimmy Uso, building up their match. Chris. Yeah, I was just going to say that we have three people now with this fucking mask gimmick in WWE, and it's a shitty gimmick. So like, can we stop? And I am glad that Ricochet got a win, but it doesn't it didn't really matter. Rich Holland, uh, they should have kept him in NXT because right now they could really use him as an opponent for Braun Breaker. All right. Well, we in WWE and it's a shitty gimmick. So like, can we stop? And I am glad that Ricochet got a win, but it doesn't it didn't really matter. Rich Holland, uh, they should have kept him in NXT because right now they could really use him as an opponent for Braun Breaker. All right. Well, we had Eric uh, going against Jimmy Uso. This is building up towards their match. And guess what? Jimmy won. Anyways. Uh, all right. So then we had Aaliyah and Natalia. More bullshit with them. 
Aaliyah beat Natalia in a match via countout. Not really that great. Uh, Drew McIntyre went on a warpath, uh, came out, talked about, you know, his issues uh, post-Royal Rumble and what he's going to be doing. We had Metcalf Moss and Happy Corbin attempt a sneak attack. And after holding Moss off with a sword, McIntyre forced him to tell a joke. From there, he dropped Moss with a claymore and threatened to make Corbin's life a living hell before standing tall to close out the segment. So there you go. I uh, don't really care about that. Shinsuke beat Jinder Mahal hey, while... Hey, this company is so lucky that Armed Anderson isn't here with fucking Drew McIntyre walking around with this sword because I'm, I'm pretty sure Drew block. would get shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah Drew would just get shot. <laughs> exactly. All right, so, um, yeah, we had a match between Shinsuke and Jinder Mahal. And what would essentially happen in this is that Sami Zayn, who is going to be going for the IC title, was at ringside, and Shinsuke would end up winning, but then would have, you know, some bullshit with, uh, with him, uh, with Sami Zayn, I should say, right afterwards. New Day and Los Tharios, New Day beat them. And like I said, Big E is now a part of the New Day, smiling, doing the same shit. And uh, that was uh, about it before the uh, last segment between Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Any comments on this? We have New Day back together. Big E is a part of it, Chris. And he's very happy, apparently. Shinsuke beating gender, but Sami Zayn still being the person to, you know, be right there to take on him. And then, uh, you know, Aaliyah and Natalia. Natalia got beaten by Aaliyah by a countout. That is a crazy, crazy concept. Um, the only the only thing I'm going to comment on is I think Big E probably could have still held the title until Elimination Chamber, especially since it's not going to matter, right? If they're going to unify the titles, there's no reason to take the title off of them. I I like that he's back with New Day, but that also implicates a lot of things with Xavier Woods in Big E to some extent where they're just going to be stuck in a tag division that doesn't exist. I mean, I guess we'll get some good Uso matches out of it, but there's so much more they could have done with Big E and I'm, that makes me sad as a person. Very sad. And I feel the same way. All right. So the last thing was Charlotte talking to Sony Deville in the ring about what she wants to do with her title in the future. She basically said that she's not she's not scared about Ronda Rousey. She just wants to make her own opponent for herself. That Ronda and Becky have so much, you know, past bullshit that she should be completely going for her. And uh, you know, said some other comments that did not make Ronda happy. Her music hits. She comes out. And uh, you know, she makes it clear. That the person that she's choosing at WrestleMania is Charlotte Flair, and that she's going to kick her ass and take her title. Basically, uh, we have, you know, basically Sonya Deville trying to get in between them. They're about to have a confrontation. They start fighting a little bit. Sonya jumps on the back of Ronda Rousey, which is not good. She judo throws her, and then puts her into the armbar, looking straight at Charlotte. While Sonya is tapping out. Uh, so now for WrestleMania, 
It looks like it's going to be Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey for that title. Yeah, I don't know what their buildup is going to be. I'm assuming that Becky is going to win at Elimination Chamber and somehow get, like I said, I think they may be looking at unifying the titles just because pleasing both networks, having stars cross over, especially their bigger stars, um, and it making sense, unifying the titles would be the thing. If 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 they're going that route, I would say, you know, Becky should be coming out by Bia Bia. <laughs> so you can get that stop acting like a bitch you scared on Ronda Rousey, which would be pretty good. Um, but, you know, whatever. That would be me booking it. Um, Ronda was fine. She was better here than she was on Raw. Uh, I love Charlotte Flair. That's the match. It'll be a good match. And much like I said, um, as far as working someone like Rhonda, Charlotte makes a little more sense. I feel like there's a little more she could do in the ring than Becky with Rhonda. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not taking anything away from Becky Lynch. I think that she is really good in the ring and a good performer, even though I'm not the biggest Becky Lynch fan. I can't take anything away from her. But there is a reason they threw Charlotte in that fucking match at Mania when they did that two or three years ago. I agree. All right, well, let's go to some highlights from Impact, and then we'll break it down with the rest of AEW. Um, <laughs> dude, I love the, the first match that happened on Impact was for the Digital Media Championship. Matt Cardona challenged Jordan Grace. She, you know, he just put it out there. She was like, sure. But you could see that Matt Cardona was still reflecting on the concept of fighting a woman. So they have this match. And it's great because every time Matt Cardona looks like he hurt her, instead of taking advantage by doing a pin, he kind of like, you know, backs up and realizes what he's doing or or that's what we're supposed to believe. But Jordan Grace keeps on coming back and just smacking him around and showing that she is suitable enough to be able to go against someone like him, no matter what, you know. And at the end of it, it would take him actually taking – the title of hers, throwing in the ring, distracting the referee, and then taking a chair and knocking her over the head and kind of doing the oops, like little look and solidifying Cardona now as a heel, not in GCW, not just in NWA, but also in Impact where he's been a baby face and winning that title against Jordan Grace. Jordan waking up, wondering what the fuck happened. And Matt Cardona is now the digital media champion for Impact, which means that he can defend that title at any other promotion, wherever he wants. And, uh, yeah, that was a <laughs> great way to start off. He's already starting his belt collecting, Chris. <laughs> Matt Cardona is such a great story, man. I, I, I love this. I thought it was really good. I mean, I... I it sucks that Jordan Grace lost his title, but also, like, I would love to see her versus Mickey James or Deanna Parasso. So moving her back into that title picture may not be a bad thing. Um, she could go after Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green's there. It, it makes sense that they're moving Matt Cardona as a heel. And hopefully he gets tied up in the storyline with Ring of Honor and New Japan versus Impact. And he's like, bro, I'm a WWE guy. <laughs> Or some shit, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> like, there's a lot of funny things they could do. Like him and Brian Myers have a little crew or something. So I don't know. I like I like <laughs> Matt Cardona has just been great. I at this point are they just letting him book his own shit? Because that's seemingly what's happening whenever he shows up somewhere. Exactly. Just contributing only the way that Matt Cardona could at any place that he does his thing. And this is a great title for him to have along with the internet title (laughs) and uh, still very permanent in uh, both GCW and also going for the main NWA title against uh, Trevor Murdoch. So good stuff. I honestly think they should have never taken the GCW title off of him. I would have, I would have ran with that a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, well, uh, we had Jonah, Jonah the Rock, uh, going against Crazy Steve, and uh, good match. But Jonah definitely got the uh, the best of Crazy Steve after the match. We had, um, you know, Rosemary and uh, Torus and Jessica Havoc coming out and basically getting Jonah to evade Crazy Steve's carcass, basically. And then, um, you know, just more stare down between Torus and Jonah Rock. Last week we had this happen with uh, Jimmy Havoc, I believe, Uh, you know. So it looks like we're we're building up towards Jonah versus Torus, Chris. Yeah, that seems to be where they're going, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's always just ha- I'm just always happy to see Crazy Steve, so that's what I took out of this segment. I was like, oh, Crazy Steve, that's awesome. I thought Jonathan Gresham and Steve Macklin had an excellent match. Um, you know, Macklin great fucking it- match. Great Bad fucking ending. match. I I hated I hated the finish, and it went fucking full TNA, like the dumbest shit you could possibly think of to do with heels and baby faces or baby faces and baby faces. They fucking screwed the pooch on this. Give, give us your, your, your full, you know, critique on this. So they did the honor match. This is a regular match because Macklin couldn't win the honor match. So, you know, he's doing a heel thing. He's about to lose. He fucks over Jonathan Gresham anyways, starts beating him down, and then Ring of Honor comes out to make the save. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, they're not going to let their friend get their his ass kicked. He's the title guy. Uh, and then they, like, start beating him down, right? And then, like, the Impact guys show up. And you're like, who the hell am I supposed to cheer for? And then Gresham's like, nah, fam, I'm good, and just leave. <laughs> which i mean good on him because <laughs> like i said tna ass tna shit <laughs> where like i guess the idea is like i don't know you can choose who you root for but at the same time it's like macklin's been a dick two weeks in a row like he's not like he's good friends with anyone on the impact roster and ring of honor guys came out to make a save it was it was just such a fucking weird the match itself was good. They had two good matches back to back. And I, I'm assuming they're going to give some kind of payoff. But yeah, that was my opinion of this bullshit, Dane. I don't know how you felt about it, but 
the match was good, and then it got super TNA ass TNA. Like if fucking Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett were there booking this shit together. Yeah, do you do you think they're just like pretending, oh well the other heel team is the evil ring of honor guys. So it doesn't really matter that they're attacking the heel in the match they just had with the Ring of Honor champion. Very it's all very weird. Here's a question. Do you think Jonathan Gresham is a leader behind this? And we're all pretending that he's he's too good and he's too you know he's he's sportsman he's he's a sports you know affiliated person he he believes in sportsmanship so he would never be a part of this whole entire thing is this to throw us off basically no because tna is not that smart uh <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> But, I mean, he is out here wrestling with honor. I mean, Macklin's the one that asked for the no honor match and refused to shake his hand. Like, Macklin came in as a heel in this match, which is fine, but it's weird with the story they're trying to tell, right? (laughs) So, uh, I think what TNA is going for is, like, you get to choose what team you want to be a part of. Are you Team WCW or Team NWO? Like, they're trying to lean into that very heavily and it gets even weirder now that the new japan bully club shits there so like i said uh impact ass impact i guess always fun well let, let, let's keep on going um because of all this vincent from the group went against josh alexander um Alexander ended up defeating Vincent. This was a really good match, but he ended up tapping him out. Uh, but Kenny King afterwards came, uh, you know, we had, we had back and forth. We had obviously impact people coming out and then Kenny King, uh, came out, helped out, you know, his fellow ring of honor alum, and then join the honor. No more group with a promo afterwards. So, Apparently, Kenny King is now a part of this group, Chris. I love Kenny King, and I'm excited that he's a part of this group. Uh, I don't know uh, what they're like, what they're going to. I'm assuming they're building to some kind of crazy ass match uh, where you have New Japan, Ring of Honor, and Impact. So I'm assuming Impact's going to get someone back. Like a big name, maybe a Samoa Joe, right? Because I feel like they need like a heavy hitter on the impact side. Uh, but yeah, I was fine with this. Uh, I don't know. But I'm trying to remember, there was there was something from this match I actually liked, and I'm can't place it right now well it, it, it would make sense because josh alexander i feel like just like jonathan gresham just like a lot of wrestlers man he's one of those guys that i enjoy pretty much in a match you know maybe not to the level of like a fucking okada or a, a omega or a walter whatever the hell they call him nowadays but you know kind of like a sammy guevara where i really Usually dig the match he's in. Hey, shit, man. Josh Alexander brought up from Brandy Rhodes up to Ethan Page about the fact that we only went for you because we were trying to get Josh Alexander. 
that should say <laughs> a lot, man, about his uh, his style. So at the end, where he was like trying to take over, uh, take on everyone and hitting suplexes, that was pretty cool. That's what I was thinking of. Like, th- dude, he is great. I haven't watched a ton of Joss Alexander because I've just now gotten back into Impact outside of the pay per views. But everything I've seen in the past all three or four months, that guy is fucking incredible. So I don't need, I don't know. Go to New Japan, dude. We need you in the G1. Got to get some guy jeans in there, please. I still wish that we got him and Kenny Omega when Kenny was over there when he was the uh, X Division champion, but never did. It's never too late. It is never too late. All right, well, let's keep on going. Uh, John Schuyler and uh, uh, Bupinder Gujiar. I I told you, Chris, uh, this is actually Bupinder Singh. He was, um, of all people, trained by the great Kali, but I was like, wow, this guy's really impressing me. He's almost like a giant version of Sabu if they wanted to try to go that way. Very agile, very athletic. He ended up beating John Schuyler. Uh, but I don't know. I saw a lot of up in this dude. He has to be at least 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah, he looked good in this match. I mean, it was pretty much a squash, but uh, I don't know. Interesting. To say Someone different. I, I look forward to seeing more. Well, here, here's another person that's interesting for intrigue of future stuff. Masha Slamovich going against Kak Lennox. This chick's fucking awesome. She's quick. She's aggressive. She throws people around like it's nothing, but her form is beautiful still. Like the power slam she gave to this chick. And she goes in there, beats him in less than two minutes, is done. And she back to Mother Russia. Like, is there anyone uh, cooler re- than Masha Slamovich? Read the match again. Just the names. Masha Slamovich versus... Cack Lennox. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking magazine Ife. <laughs> like create a wrestler <laughs> kind of thing. Dude, I like I like you know what? I love goofy names. Masa Slavovich. I love the hair, by the way. This Bride of Frankenstein kind of um glow kind of deal that she's got going on. She came in, she suplexed shit out of her two minutes, like you said. Uh I'm interested in this. I'm good. Fun stuff, man. I, I Fun thought, stuff. I thought I, I, I mean, I, I. That's the thing about TNA. I do love is they're not afraid to get a little goofy. You know, it's okay to be goofy. If you have a murderous Russian chick that can go out there and just beat the crap out like a biker Russian, hell yeah, man. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah. All right. So our last match, we had a four on four. Uh, we had Ace Austin. And uh, Madman Fulton teaming up with Jake something and PWG alum, some guy I've heard on the Indies for a while, Mr. Mike Bailey, who just joined Impact, going against the combined efforts of Switchblade Jay White, Tomatonga, Tongalo, and Chris Bay. This is a fun four on four. You know, it's the same thing that I have a problem with AEW. 
sometimes it gets ridiculous for the referee to be able to pay attention. And a lot of times it becomes just like everyone getting their main moves in, but it was a lot of fun. Bullet club won, and they just like ring of honor is showing their stance and everything. They're there showing their stance. The only difference is ring of honors fighting with the baby faces of impact. While it seems like these guys are fighting with the heels because revved up beforehand about the interaction with bullet club. We had, uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows getting, um, you know, violent by design on their team. And afterwards they attacked them and beat the shit out of them. And that's how we would leave the show with those guys, violent by design and the good brothers standing tall against the bullet club members. But by the way, during the actual match, Bullet Club acted totally heelish. So I don't know exactly what's going on, but I, I enjoyed seeing Jay White, Tama Tonga, Tonga Low, you know, pretty much Ace Austin, Mad Max, uh, Fulton, Mike Bailey. All these guys are awesome. Enjoyed that. But just saying, don't really know what they're going. So I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep. And, and it's not the match's fault. I was just really tired. So where I left off in this match was when they were doing the corner spots where both of the uh, Tamatanga and Tangalo were doing the sentons. They they would get tagged in at his senton. I think it was on Ace Austin. Uh, and my body just couldn't handle it anymore. So I, f- <laughs> I fell asleep. So apologies. I did not get to, to check out the rest of this main event. I like Jay White's back. Um I think we talked about it last week where has COVID hit anyone harder than Jay White as far as like where his stock was versus now kind of thing. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with this. Uh, I guess. I don't know. It's also it's also TNA. So I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'm not excited to see where they go with this. But uh, from what I saw of the match, the first two or three minutes of it, it was pretty good. Ace Austin's still incredible. Um, yeah, I don't like my boys violent by design getting, according to you, getting fucked up by goof one and goof two. (laughs) Well, it's going to have to happen like that, man. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Chris? Uh, put. Joe Doring and the Butcher in a tag team together. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Book it. <laughs> I need great. I need a big ass tag team like that. Like just two horses in a tag team. It's my dream tag team right now. <laughs> it's like Joe Doring and the Butcher. It'd be amazing. Two horses. Also, it would be really hilarious to see the Butcher with his monocle wearing a cowboy hat. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm also down for that. I think I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. Well, let's let's talk about AEW and try to get out of here relatively quickly. Um, well, uh, should we talk about the the guy that was fired or no no asked for his release from WWE? Uh, was granted that went over to AEW just for a startup match it seems against John Moxley, and uh, ended up getting kicked the fuck off that. Very quickly. Um, 
All right, we'll just say the fill-in they had for him with Willer Yuta and then throwing a Danhausen spot I thought was good, at least for the fans in the building. I thought that was fine. Um, as far as like what he said 10 years ago and it, like getting hired, fired, hired, and then fired in 24 hours, that's kind of a weird, crazy thing. I don't want to get political about it. I, You know, if you say dumb shit online, it's going to come back to you. If you post a dick pic, it's going to come back to you. Like, it's just <laughs> don't do it. That <laughs> would be my best advice. But um, I, I guess he came out and apologized. And uh, I don't know. I like Brian Kendrick a lot. I think he's a, a good wrestler. I don't know anything about him as a person. So I can't speak on that. It's just kind of a, I mean, him versus Moxley would have been a really good match. But at least they gave us. You know, Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta, which I thought was a, a fucking great match on the show. So as a wrestling fan, it's kind of, you know, while I would have loved to see Brian Kendrick being a shitbag heel and, you know, putting Moxley's fingers into the turnbuckle bolt and all sorts of weird shit, that would have been fun. Um, I get why AEW made this move. I personally get why AEW made this move. I understand business. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with uh, reflecting a person off of, you know, stuff they've said, uh, especially what was said directly. It was ignorant, uh, say the least. Uh, unfortunately, um, during the time in which you did this, which was about 10 to 12 years beforehand, I knew a lot of people. Uh, that started getting these weird conspiracies that they went down a rabbit hole that don't necessarily believe it. And nowadays, um, you know, obviously they realize a lot is stupid. It's way before Alex Jones had anything to do with it, but you know, stuff involving questioning parts of the Holocaust or um, questioning 9-11 and that not being a Attack from the U.S. itself to cause whatever, you know, stupid stuff like that, unfortunately, was popular around that time. Not giving any leeway, but not knowing what Brian Kendrick said, if he just didn't, like, you know, chalk it up as bullshit and just keep on going with his life, didn't think that the past would reflect him. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. But either way. He tried to say what he said, and it was probably a good statement online. I just wish that it wasn't so much a factor that people then get on a certain platform um, and put out their gripes, put out their, you know, go and try to find stuff in the person's past that they might not know. Maybe they just doesn't, they don't like the wrestler. So they don't think they're good enough for AEW. And therefore it starts a long uh, view into the person's past to find said something that they could have see said to go against them. And uh, unfortunately, I think that's one of those situations. There is no reason to say stupid shit like that, especially if you believe it at whatever time in your life. No reason and no good uh, act out of it. You know, you should get any type of repercussion that's supposed to be put towards you. 
at the same time the fact that we have fans of this product that might be a certain mindset uh that will completely you know maybe maybe they 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 give uh like i like i try to say basically that whoopi goldberg probably said the most ridiculous stuff involving holocaust as of recently like actually in today's day and that's not a good excuse but i'm just saying like there is a lot of stuff said that is not cool but when james gunn says what he says you know there there are a lot of people that are told hey you need to atone for this and it should be about them trying to atone for their past problems but going in the past and trying to pull stuff and not realizing that, you know, honestly, let's be all honest, unless you don't want to admit this or know this, I guess. Uh, the people that you have maybe a problem with, a lot of your guys in charge of AEW as a product are part of that same exact political party that I have. To, I don't have a problem with, but you know, might be reflected by these said people. It's kind of aggravating and annoying that that's how it works, but you should not say, and you should not get a pass for situations like this. It just seems like it kind of only holds up towards certain individuals. And for stuff that you've said in the past, whether it be a Brian Kendrick, whether it be a Roseanne Barr, whether it be a James Gunn, you should be able to, try to you know make those situations better instead of being excluded which is what seems like the number one goal is so that's that's what i have to say about it i i feel and i could be wrong but i feel like that was a very very down the middle path of what my my my, my statement i guess was towards all of it i don't know yeah and and to some extent, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, we're not going to get into like an entire debate or anything. The the one thing I you know, if you don't believe in people getting better, then the prison system is kind of a joke, right? Like, it, it, where do you draw the line of like someone did something bad? How do they atone for it? the The ideology of crime in general is like you commit a crime, you go to jail. You pay that time, and that's your atonement. How do you atone for just something you said? Like, as if if an apology is not enough, what do you have to do to some extent? And and if you're talking about someone just saying dumbass shit, which I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna flat out say, if Brian Kendrick wasn't trolling, which I kind of think maybe he was just fucking trolling a website or something, just a bad idea, because uh, I don't. Hopefully, he's not that batshit crazy um how do you atone for something like that something that you wrote online 15 years ago like what is the estimation that you have to give back to society so that you're forgiven and i think that's where the problem lies is there's no (laughs) there's no like given evidence of what you can do to get back there right um and and saying what i mean if you think that all of this stuff is a conspiracy like freedom of speech you can say it i mean you're gonna sound down dumb as fuck like you can say that stuff 
but it's not a crime and it should have nothing to do with your job. I could get like if you're a public company like AEW being like, well, we don't want to associate with this right now specifically. But like, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, even if like I said, even if it's dumb as fuck, like you're allowed to say whatever the hell you want. Uh, I, I will say that Sabu saw someone's tweeting at Sabu to get hot takes on politics. And he's like, you got to be joking. <laughs> so I don't know. People like to troll politics, so it's possible that he was just trolling and that he is sorry about what he said. Like it's, you know, AJ AJ Styles says some has said some very fucked up. Brock Lesnar said some very fucked up things. Like how far do we want to take this? And like once again, how do you atone for it? That's the biggest thing. I don't really know. But that was stopped. Instead, we had a match to start off Dynamite with John Moxley instead of going against Brian Kendrick, going against Wheeler Yuta. And uh, I thought the guys had a really good match. Uh, it wasn't about so much a match, Chris. I would say it's about the aftermath in which Brian Danielson, who I think is still going to happen, but I think that me and you would assume um, – would be involved in this to try to have a match against John Moxley, but instead he had a concept, an idea about how he wanted to have a match with John Moxley. But now, if you look at the landscape of things, if you look at how we have a millennial fucking cowboy as our champion, tag division, one of them's a giant guy that pretends he's a dinosaur. We have a influencer on YouTube as our friggin' TNT champion. Brian says, I thought that you were the best champion we've had in our company so far because you took it seriously. And, uh, you know, me and you could be tag champions. I, you could be the world champion again. I could be the world champion again. You could be the TNT. I could be the TNT. We could redo this place. Imagine if you took someone like Daniel, Daniel Garcia, took him away from 2.0, those two jokers, and really helped him out. Imagine the person that you just went against, you know, Wheeler Yuta, getting away from fucking Orange Cassidy and the best friends and us helping them out. We could redefine this wrestling organization, the two of us. I'm not asking you to, to tell me your answer right now. I'm just putting it out there. And then Brian Danielson just left. And John Moxley was there to think. Now, obviously, I think Moxley is going to tell him to fuck off inevitably. And that's the match we're going to have. But I still really like this promo from Brian Danielson. I thought this was really good. Great fucking promo. I think it's his best promo since being in AEW. I love the concept of drawing in the audience. You kind of... Because AEW does do a lot of spots, and it's more modern wrestling. But what... Daniel Bryan is alluding to is a lot of what Jim Cornette says on his podcast or like a lot of old school wrestlers talk about like, oh, this guy would be great if he did this or and Daniel Bryan's like, let's take him under our wing. Like, let's make these guys like us being you serious ass old school wrestlers. I love that. I love the idea of that. I don't know that they're going to go there with a like a faction. I hope they do, because I think that's awesome. Um, I didn't get to hear Jim Cornette's podcast, but I'm assuming that he spooged all over this 
promo. If he didn't, then it's ridiculous. Um, the match itself, I thought was really, really good. I liked Boxley just being baffled <laughs> by Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen. Like he looked at him and was like, why the fuck are you guys even here? Which was a great juxtaposition with like what Daniel Bryan was, or Brian Danielson was talking about kind of later in his promo. So I thought that was fun spot. Um, Willie Yuta's great. I mean, if you're, like I said, if you're trying to do a replacement match for what they had promised, which is Kendrick versus Moxley, this was a damn good replacement with an awesome promo afterwards and uh, good shit all around. Thumbs up. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Good way to start off your whole thing. All right. After that, Make sure we had. Nope, my stuff just messed up. Hold on one second, guys. All right, so after Moxley beat Yuta, we had the Death Triangle going against the Knights of the Black Throne. Apparently, that's what they're going about. I thought it was just the uh, the House of Black, but whatever. Um, and they had an awesome match. We had Pac and Penta L Zero going against Malachi Black and Brody King. Um, now Black and King would defeat Pac and Penta, but it was a fun tag match, or at least I thought. I love that Pac came out with the blindfold, was working with it for a while, and then just pulled it down like, yeah, I'm not blind, motherfucker. But... I liked everyone in this match. This could have been a pay-per-view match, though, if you ask me, Chris. Yeah, I don't think they're done with it, though. Like, I think this is going to continue out for a while, right? Um, I, I like the match a lot. I, I, I kind of wanted... <laughs> I kind of wanted the bastard pack to wrestle that fucking gimmick on the entire time. Holy shit. How did he even do that? It's incredible. I know they did like a masked version of it. Uh, I, I was still super hyped about him just being Daredevil for a while. So when they like, he pulled it off mid match, I was like, ah, come on. I'm a little sad. Uh, Pinto is fucking crazy. I love the dragon. Pinta mask that he has right he had right now he hit some huge spots like I don't know like since <laughs> since Phoenix has been gone it's like he amplified everything to times 10 I don't know if you've noticed that but he's like trying his absolute best in everything he does like even if it's like an arm drag it's it's ridiculous Yeah, as always, excellent work from Pentagon. I just think that he gets, he understands being a character. And that's sometimes lost between uh, wrestlers nowadays. Anyways, let's go to the next match. Well, (laughs) Uh, actually, real real quick, there was that. Real, real quick, there was that super fun spot where they did the zero fear and they bounced off the opposite ropes to hit the dives and they both did different stuff. Like, I think Penta hit a senton and, like, a pack hit, like, a weird spiral dive of some sort. I don't know. He twisted, like, 78 times because he's the 
the bastard pack, and that's what he does. But that was awesome spot in the match. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that was an awesome match or awesome point in the match. So, Chris, we have all these wrestlers on the market right now. You know, with with Tony being, I would say, a good leader, and whether it be whoever, you know, uh, letting them end on their contract and just let them go, if you will. We're having still people, and understandably so, say that AEW can't put certain wrestler in AEW because they don't have enough room for them. But yet, we have enough room for about a 15-minute promo with fucking Brandy Rhodes. Why is that? Because... I like where they went, but it doesn't go in a good direction still. And it makes one of the biggest heels in AEW a babyface by default. This felt very much like attitude error, like promos and wrestling, like shock value, Jerry Springer kind of like. Have you ever heard the term bolt-ons in wrestling before? I heard that brought up on a podcast earlier this week, and I'm like, I don't think so. I mean... Bray Rhodes is obviously hated, and if the idea is, like, you're going to have Paige Van Zandt beat her in, you know, 10 seconds to try to put over Paige, I get that, but um, I don't know. I have nieces that watch this show, and this was, like, not great. It's not the stuff that I'm proud of as a wrestling fan when we start getting into, like I said, the Jerry Springer side of the world. Um which is what they were going for. I mean, like he basically insinuated that she did porn <laughs> at one point. Like, what was the end of the pro? Like the end of uh, Lambert's gimmick? He was like, uh, "I know you're used to being face down." I'm like, "Come on, man!" Like, <laughs> really, really. This honestly. I don't think helped <laughs> anything at anything at all. You have one of your biggest heels that interrupts Cody's, obviously his wife, the chief brandy officer for the company. And uh, she acts like she's so cool. She doesn't realize she's in Chicago and calls it like Cincinnati or whatever. You know, playing off the heel, which is good, because obviously Brandy knows she is. To have Dan Lambert come out and just start running her down, like all the comments that you said, and people are cheering for him. They would be booing him later on with Lance Archer, not even an hour away from this. And then say, you know, I want to smack you around, but I can't technically... Even making the comment about like how he's this douchebag in his ways, only looks at wrestling from the past, conservative guy. And even he is getting a better reaction from the crowd than her said something. And he calls down Paige Van Zandt, which I joked about and said to you, like, all right, you know, Paige is awesome, but is it like WWE got? 
Ronda Rousey. So therefore, hey, Dan, can you talk to Paige? No idea, but I'm just saying. But I love the idea of Paige Van Zandt being involved in this woman's division, even if it's like a celebrity type of concept like this. Uh, then I realized, oh, shit, she'll be going against Brandy. And they had that whole entire thing back and forth. Uh, I don't know. I don't really I don't really know if I care about Paige Van Zandt in a fucking match with Brandy. And I told you, Chris, if they have a match, even if Paige whoops her ass, if I see fucking Brandy Rhodes double legging Paige Van Zandt, I swear to God, I'm going to hatch pterodactyl. So, I mean, if you're trying to get Paige over like as a baby face, which makes is weird because she's with Dan Lambert. You do the John Cena Lesnar thing where she just suplexes her to fucking death, right? Or whatever, like for five minutes, like Brandy gets zero offense. It's a squash, but it's like a definitive squash. Um, so, like, if they do something like that, I could see it because if you're trying to get Paige Van Zandt over as a baby face, that works because a lot of people hate. or whatever like for five minutes like brandy gets zero offense it's a squash but it's like a definitive squash um so like if they do something like that i could see it because if you're trying to get Paige van zan over as a baby face that works because a lot of people hate brandy and like i don't know about her tna run i know there was like i know there's a lot of drama around like they TNA did some stuff that they wouldn't have normally done because they were trying to get Cody to come in um, with her and her in-ring abilities like okay and her mic works okay. I'm I don't know enough about her to really give a judgment. Um, but she's pissed a lot of people off and there's a lot of fans that just don't fucking like her. Her and Cody both. Um, which is just such a weird thing because Cody was so fucking over that you would think like his wife would also be over, (laughs) but that's never been the case. I mean, even if you go back to the beginning with her and Luther when they were, I mean, they kiboshed that. So I'm assuming this is just a setup for, you know, Paige Van Zandt to kill someone uh, that they don't actively have wrestling on the roster a lot. If not, I have no idea what they're doing with this. And like I said, the whole the whole segment was just kind of like icky feeling with the promos and stuff. Like especially because Brandy is supposed to be the female empowerment part of AEW. Uh, like I wouldn't have put her in the segment necessarily if you're going to talk about like fake fake bolt-ons and uh potentially doing porn in your past etc like whatever lambert ran down on her i don't i don't know that that's what you want for your heels community oh is there still community on that i have no idea i mean but that was a thing like that's (laughs) 
putting those two people to, like in this segment and in that community is is kind of fucking weird. Um, it, I mean, if you're just trying to have a good match, like with Paige Van Zant, I, I would say like do like Serena Deeb would be the one to <laughs> get a good match out of her, not Brandy Rhodes. All right. Well, after that, we had a women's match. We had Ruby Soho going against Nyla Rose. I thought this was a good match um, for the most part. You know, Rance's lead singer was in the audience for, since he's from uh, Chicago. But, um, yeah, Nyla Rose still defeated Ruby Soho in it. So, with the Beast Bomb, did not expect that, honestly. After they hyped it up, even said, hey, the lead singer of the song from Rancid is right here. You know, still lost. Honestly, Nyla, already been champion. She barely takes the losses. She probably, I mean, since Ruby loses quite a bit, um, she probably could have given up a loss, but whatever. Here we are. Uh, yeah, you're you're hundred percent right on this. I I didn't expect Ruby to lose here, but with the way they're building, um, God, now that bitch. Sorry, I can't think, I can't think of her name right now. Jade uh, Cargill. Jade Cargill in the That Bitch show. The way they're building that, they need to set up a, a big monster. So I'm assuming that she's also going to run through uh, Nyla as well. The fun part about this for me was Lars Fredrickson's Twitter, where he was like, this is the first time I've actually ever met Ruby Ryan. <laughs> like, you just gave her like one of your biggest songs for freebies. <laughs> Because you like wrestling. But there's a great picture of like. uh, If you go to Lars Fredrickson's Twitter. (laughs) Of him and Tony Schiavone. And Tony Schiavone is like. I have no fucking clue who this guy is. It's the best. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. Uh, And it's just Tony. He's got his his, like diamond earring in. His hair all swathed over. (laughs) And shit. Uh, Yeah dude. The bastards are great. Rancid's great. Great guitar player, great vocalist. Lars Fredrickson, thumbs up. Um, I, I guess I, for me, what they're going for is setting up Nyla versus uh, that bitch on the that bitch show, which I'm, I've already, that's already worn out as welcome for me. I don't know if it's done it for you, but I'm kind of done with it. Yeah, I'm usually over a shit like that. <laughs> Honestly. All right. So we had Hangman Page come out, spoke with Tony Schiavone and talking about the, uh, you know, defense against Lance Archer in the Texas death match. That's going to be at the pro or the boardwalk hall in Atlantic city. Not the best uh, way to call it a text, you know, text test match, but whatever. Um, Lambert came out. Everyone hated him. And now, Jake Snake Roberts came out, said that he smells something, and that's fear. And then Archer came out, and they started just beating the shit out of each other. And then in the back, Chris Jericho said there was a mandatory meeting for the Inner Circle next week, um, and that he needs to specifically talk to Santana and Ortiz for what happened the week previous. So that would all lead up to the main event. Chris, any statements about 
Chris Jericho making his announcement and or the fight between Adam Page and Lance Archer. I'm looking forward to what they're doing with the inner circle because I know it's leading to a match with him and Eddie Kingston. Those promos should be good, and the match should be – if they just do a straight brawl like Jericho has done in New Japan, that should be a fun match. Um, I'm assuming this is the end of the inner circle. Uh, is Sammy Guevara on Rampage, which we'll talk about a little later, was still wearing inner circle gear, so there's they're still playing it up. But I'm done with the inner circle, so – Looking forward to that. Uh, God, what was the thing before that? Uh, the um, the uh, our champion, Hangman. Um, fine, right? Like he gets beat down. It's okay. Jake the Snake had me holding my breath when he's like, "Did you smell that?" I was like, "Come on, Jake." <laughs> I thought he was going to get, especially after the Jerry Springer segment we had earlier. I was like, man, this could take a turn for the worse. Um, I still think at some point Lance Archer is going to attack Jake the Snake and Jake's going to bring in someone uh, to go against Lance Archer because Lance Archer is not winning this title. I think MJF is probably our next champion. If, I, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know how we get there, but I think that like if you're looking at the lineage of the title, it would make sense. MJF would be the next guy and probably a great champion, especially with people like, you know, Dave, Brian Danielson and CM Punk and Jungle Boy, and Darby Allen and Omega coming back. There's a lot of people to chase a very shit bag uh, MJF. Agreed. Well, let's talk about a little bit of a shitbag MJF. Him and CM Punk finally have their match in Chicago. Uh, this is a really good match, honestly. I mean, just excellent in-ring work, excellent psychology. Great job by both guys. I'm trying to think of, like, specifics that... I mean, here's the thing. CM Punk threw out everything that he could. I mean, he even did the Pepsi Plunge. You know, that, I mean, that right there, when he did the pedigree off the top ropes, was awesome. We had CM Punk getting choked out at one part by MJF. You know, after Punk has beaten the shit out of him throughout most of it, referees distracted a bit. Uh, MJF brings out part of his uh, tape off his wrist, starts choking out. CM Punk and holding it down with his right arm, but has his left arm overwards to make it look like he is doing a sleeper hold, essentially. And after three, uh, CM Punk is out, no comeback, he's done, and the bell is called. Then MGF being an idiot, uh, you know, drops the fucking tape. The, you know, referee realizes, Bryce Remsburg realizes what the hell's going on, says the match is back on. And like I said, they threw out everything they could possibly throw at each other. Uh, we had Wardlow come out to the ring. Uh, you know, MJF is outside. CM Punk and him getting each other's face. Wardlow goes to the left like, oh, you know, this means that Wardlow is going to let CM Punk beat MJF. Uh, well, we would not realize that later on when the ref's distracted and CM Punk is also distracted, 
Wardlow through the diamond ring to MJF. MJF knocks out CM Punk. And in Chicago, the first loss on his record for Mr. CM Punk is from MJF, who now can say that technically he beat him twice in one night in his hometown. And I think that we're going to probably extend this feud, Chris, assuming until the pay-per-view in March. But uh, good match. I think that the the weird ending start in the middle, I don't know if I was 100% behind that. But everything else, I thought they took told a great story. Yeah, I think me and you had uh, a little bit of a difference of opinion on how this match went. I I I liked the false the false finish in the ending of this match with Wardlow being more committed to MJF. I am tired of the storyline of is Wardlow going to turn on MJF to some extent. Um, but I also like the idea of what they've been building where MJF's like you're going after Sammy Guevara and once you win that belt, you have to gift it to me kind of thing. Because I think that could be the breaking point while protecting the main event picture. Uh, this was great. MJF did so much Ric Flair, Arn Anderson shit in this match. It was amazing. And uh, the tape finish is like fucking Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Some shit that would happen to Jerry Lawler. Where he like hides like, it under his armpit. And the ref's like, I gotta raise your arm because you won. And he's like, I, I can't. Don't do it. And the tape falls out. Was was fucking great. So, like, I liked that kind of throwback. And uh, like you said, they, well, CM Punk specifically through the kitchen sink. Uh, Punk, please, like, look, I'm not your biggest fan, but don't ever do a Poison Rana ever again. Jesus Christ, oh. I thought he was dead. Uh, Dude, he landed directly who, on his neck. <laughs> yeah, who who has ever done a Poison Rana where the other person, it's. CM Punk took so much care of MJF in that Poison Rana and fell the fuck on his own neck that it actually looked like it hurt the other person more so than the person giving it to him. Yeah, I don't don't know. I think take that one out of the the move bank. It wasn't necessary. But uh, outside of that, I mean, even even Punk's elbow drop looked a little better in this match. I'm going to give him a little shout out because I think he has the world's shittiest elbow drop. (laughs) <laughs> but this one was like okay. <laughs> um, how are you gonna have a worse elbow drop than Joey Janela? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's this is a good fucking match. I enjoyed it. I like the storyline. I want to see it continued forward, um, especially if they're gonna lock down the title picture with you know. If you're going to do some stuff with Brian Danielson and John Moxley for a while, is be not necessarily the title picture, but your actual heavyweight division are probably going to be those two and whatever the hell they're doing. Um, I liked this. I thought the match was fucking great. I thought the story they told was awesome, and I love the fact that MJF is going to be able to be like, "I beat you in Chicago two times in one night." Uh, the promos coming off of this is going to be. Amazing, but I could also see the other side of where you would just want a normal finish or like, you know, CM Punk just to win clean. So I, I do I do appreciate that AEW is going the opposite 
of WWE where everyone loses in their hometown. In AEW, normally everyone wins in their hometown. This is the one time that someone didn't win in their hometown. Yeah, and you know, people <laughs> complaining. Who the fuck's idea do you think that was? Do you think that was MJF trying to big league CM Punk? Or do you think that CM Punk said, dude, you need to beat me in Chicago? Because if you do, you solidify yourself as a fucking heel. I mean, really, like fans sometimes need to get like a grip on the wrestling industry. A lot of this is strategic points, and that's the reason why they did it. I mean, honestly, I mean, MJF looks like such a bigger fucking dick bag after this than he did before. I think I think people are looking at it from the WWE perspective of you like everyone always loses in their hometown, but in AEW it's like the opposite, right? <laughs> like everyone wins in their hometown. So the fact that CM Punk got beat in his hometown meant more, or at least it did for me. But you know, it's hard to like think about though i will like was it anthony bowens he won and yeah we talked about that earlier he he he's like one of the only wwe people to win in their hometown uh yeah so i like the AEW is factoring that in and and they made it a big moment like beating punk in chicago in general is like a huge deal and i liked it i i um i mean you talked about it last week i i didn't think there was a chance in hell that mjf was going to win here i thought they were going to do the the wardlow turn they fucked us all over from that whole entire concept not fucked us over they 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 took us on a ride and let them let us know no that's not the direction we're going in and uh that that would kind of bleed over into rampage our last year that we have to go over uh adam cole evil uno i said to you i i heard you know, Silla Monster, a lot of other people will say the same thing, like, oh, great. So now you're officially done with dealing with people like Orange Cassidy. You've got a seven-person record. This one's not even on your record. You already beat Orange Cassidy, technically. You do this all in a promo, and then you're like, yeah, I'm a badass. Things have changed. I want to fight Evil Uno. What? Whatever. Well, Adam Cole and Evil Uno had a good match. Evil Uno kind of at the the very beginning was uh you know uh getting the uh, getting the better I should say of of Adam Cole uh and then finally when Adam Cole started taking over he did his Panama Sunrise to the outside uh to Evil Uno and beat him very very quickly and then afterwards cut a promo saying that you know that people's perspective on him has changed kind of acknowledging a lot of the the faults that people have with him right now and that starting now with his record now being at eight telling us all the people he's beaten that he is going to show a new side of adam cole and that his um whatchamacallit his goal long term maybe short term is to be the aew world champion so I'm gl- I'm hoping we get Adam Cole in a different stratosphere. I really don't need to see him with any more jokey characters. I don't at all, personally. Please stop. So if we get Adam Cole, you know, taken more seriously with a bigger opponent going forward, that would be amazing. But uh, I thought this was all good as long as they stay true to it, Chris. 
agree with you 100%. Hey, AEW fans that tune in just to listen to me shit on WWE, you're about to have a bad time because, look, what the fuck was the point of him losing if you're setting him up for a title match, which they're definitely doing after Adam Page beats Lance Archer, which is inevitable. No idea. <laughs> like, this makes less sense than the WWE title picture. If, I, if I'm going to be a dick about it, because <laughs> Lesnar, Lashley, and Roman Reigns are all dominant monsters, and, like, Adam Cole just lost to, to Orange Cassidy. And, look, I like Orange Cassidy. I think they could have done an interesting finish for that match, but I didn't think they were going to be, like, right after it, they're going to be like, oh, Adam Cole's the next guy for the title, or a title shot. <laughs> Because if you're if you're the fucking hangman right now, you're you're looking at like Lance Archer, the murder hawk, and a guy that just lost to Orange Cassidy. You're like, I'll I'll take my chances. <laughs> you know, it's it's exactly it's, it's it's bad fucking booking. And you called it at the time. If you're the fucking hangman right now, you're you're looking at like Lance Archer, the murder hawk, and a guy that just lost to Orange Cassidy. You're like, I'll I'll take my chances. <laughs> you know. It's it's exactly it's it's bad fucking booking. And you called it at the time. You were like, I don't like what they did. I thought the finish was kind of well, you didn't like that Orange Cassidy won in general. I thought the finish just was stupid. But the if you if this is where you knew you were going, your next person was Adam Cole, then he for sure as fuck should not have lost to Orange Cassidy. Like. Never. I don't care if the match doesn't count against his record and like there it was a hardcore lights out match or whatever. It's not like uh, the best friends beat the hell out of Adam Cole and then they all pinned him together or something weird. Uh, he just got straight beat. <laughs> so like if anything, Orange Cassidy probably has a very similar record, especially if you go back over three years, <laughs> like as far as wins go. <laughs> So Orange Cassidy should probably get another title shot. Uh, I I hated this. And uh, like I said, I just wanted to point out, like, you know, I shit on WWE. Sometimes I shit on AEW like this. I thought this was super dumb. I thought they were going to do something else um, with Adam Cole after the Orange Cassidy thing. But if he's going straight to the title, this is fucking super stupid. And they shouldn't have had him, had him lose to Orange Cassidy. All right, well, speaking about Cassidy, we had a match for the TNT Championship from Sammy Guevara against Isaiah Cassidy. Not orange, but, you know, one of the Cassidys, I guess you could say. Maybe brothers in this. Um, it's a great match. Really good high-flying spot match. I love that Matt Hardy got involved. You know, and you had Chris Jericho, like, you know, I'm about to go down there. I'm about to kick someone's ass. Like, you know, me and Sammy are still really, really tight. Um, by the way, that three-person commentary team has turned in, turned really good, honestly. Uh, so, kudos to you, including Jericho, who maybe has taken a little bit of criticism to heart, which is not something I expect him to, but either way, uh, Guevara missed the 450 Cassidy hit a uh, backstabber for a two count. And then uh, Guevara hit the go to hell for the win. And then after that, you know, we had uh, Matt Hardy get involved. So did El Idolo, who came out. They were about to beat the hell out of him. 
Uh, Chris Jericho gets up, and Darby Allen of all people, runs the ring, helping out uh, Sammy Guevara, clearing the ring of the other people, and just holding it down, then looking at Sammy, saying, I respect you, and then pointing, and then looking at his title belt. So it looks like Darby... Maybe we'll get Sammy and Darby against some of these people, but eventually we're probably going to get Sammy and Darby for that title, which should be a fucking awesome match. I honestly don't remember Sammy and and Darby in a match together. Usually the quote-unquote four pillars don't really interact that much besides MJF getting wins all over all of them, but uh, maybe we'll get for the TNT title, Chris, Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen. I was going to say, did they do anything with Jericho and Sting at all? I don't I don't think they have, right? No. Okay, so yeah. I mean, that'll be fun. Darby versus Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara uh, is channeling the WWF Intercontinental Champion right now as far as like match quality and, and work rate and shit. Like, doesn't... Their championship, their middle championship has a feel to it where it's like actually important. Um, Which is great. Andrade is amazing. (laughs) Lucky, lucky. Like a mid match. It was hilarious. I can't wait until he confuses Danhausen as Darby Allen and accidentally gives Danhausen a bunch of money or something, (laughs) which will be great. no, this is fun, man. I, I liked the match a lot. I thought it was really, really good. Um, can't think. God, why can't I think of his name right now? The guy that uh, Sammy Guevara was going against, who's part of... Uh, Isaiah Cassidy. God, why, yeah, Isaiah Cassidy, yeah. Uh, he had some really fun spots in this match. And uh, him and Guevara had good back and forth. And I like that Like Matt Hardy would like... He never really got involved in the match, but he was always involved in the match. And maybe that's just like an old wrestling thing. Like he would jump up on the apron when the ref was doing a count. Like just if you uh, if you get a chance, go back and watch his match and just specifically look at Matt Hardy. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, And he gets even more intense when Andrade shows up because they're doing that whole (laughs) like uh, A-H-O-F kind of gimmick. But yeah, I like this match a lot. I thought it was really good. I like Sammy Guevara as a champion. I was I was kind of making a joke last night with some people online. I was like, uh, now that he has two title belts, he should just buy like a bunch of replicas and show up like like Ultimo, like twelve <laughs> title belts on his vlog or whatever. It's just the same belt though. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the inner circle. But I, I think it's ran its course, and Sammy Guevara is obviously proof that he's over. And uh, I don't know, maybe after Darby, Hook, Hook and Guevara? That's always a question. Could, when is bring Hook? Bring Hook. He's going to be going against QT Marshall soon. Are you excited about that? For Hook, not for QT. QT's about to get suplexed out of the building. <laughs> Jesus. All right, let's let's uh, let's continue with the rest of the matches. We got two more. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, Thunder Rosa, they had an awesome match. These ladies have worked together many times. And actually, Mercedes Martinez helped Thunder Rosa earlier in her career 
you know, like she has for many. They, I love that they named a lot of the, uh, you know, how many fucking titles she's won the last couple of years and for what organizations from Mercedes Martinez to really make her look like a suitable opponent for Thunder Rosa. And I thought that they had a pretty damn good match. Thunder Rosa would, would win only because Mercedes Martinez took a metal pipe underneath the ring and smacked her in the head with it. And then afterwards, probably the bigger thing, tying this back to where it should be sent to, and I don't know if this is the original intent, but we have Mercedes Martinez in the back while Thunder Rose is being, you know, tended to. And uh, Britt Baker and her two flunkies both are like, you know, kind of are like, what the fuck? You know, you're supposed to put her out completely. What are you doing? And Mercedes tells her to calm down, talking to the DMD herself, Britt Baker. Uh, Britt lets her know that, you know, Sterling might have been the person that that got a hold of her, but she's the person that paid for this. She was supposed to take out Thunder Rosa to help out both Jake Cargill and also her in the future, and that she was supposed to permanently put her down. Mercedes says, don't worry about this. I got it still. And still there is doubt from Britt Baker. So Britt Baker's trying to take out her biggest opponent, basically, for her title. Uh, and it looks like we're going to get back to Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker for that said title uh, after she gets done with her stuff with Mercedes. I thought the ending of the match sucked until all this came out afterwards. And I'm like, okay. I'm back into it. So I liked all of this. I liked it as well. I will say this is the only, was the second DQ finish they've ever done in AEW. Yep. Second or third. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, how soon until we get into, we need to do DQ finishes. <laughs> Which I'm soon, fine man. with, but the the company has been so anti against it. So the lead pipe spot, I thought I missed the finish. I thought there was a roll up pin or something that I just missed. I like I thought Thunder Rosa hit a roll up, and then like they brawled outside and she got hit with a pipe. But nah, it was like just a straight DQ. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> didn't expect that one. Um, so good on AEW for keep. I mean, as long as they don't do it that often, I don't have a problem with it. I, and I think me and you've talked about this in the past. Like sometimes DQ finishes are right as long as you're not doing four on the same show or anything. Uh, interesting storyline. I guess they're God. What is Bea Priestley's partner's name? Why well, I always forget her name. She's she's with uh, just Hater Britt Baker. Yeah, I thought they were building to Jamie Hater and, and Britt. Are they not doing that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. It's this was a better uh, promo from Brit than the weird "Your city's bad, my city good" promo <laughs> from like last week or the week before. I have to agree with you on that. All right, let's get to the last match. This is for the Fuck the World or FTW Championship. Champ Ricky Starks went against Jay Lethal. Um, 
I thought this was an awesome match. I really did. I thought that both guys were on their A game. Um, I'm not too happy that I really think, you know, maybe what they'll try to do is the fact that, you know, especially with Cody putting over his cutter, the fact that Jay did not go for the win when he fir- when he actually got the cutter on him and tried to do the elbow drop. I'm not 100% sure, but even though Jay lost, I thought this was a really good match between both guys. I would have liked the idea of what they kind of put forward of, you know, them asking Taz that if Ricky Lee, if Ricky loses this, does that kind of screw up things between him and team Taz? And I thought Jay winning this would actually have created some more story, but I know why they did this. I thought they had a good match. Jay lethal would end up losing, uh, from the leaf, you know, going from, um, the lethal injection and him, throwing him over himself it looks so fucking spotless into his own finisher really really good fucking match and ricky starks ended up winning no i'm not like i know that last year was last year jay lethal i think they said is like six and zero since the first loss on his record this year but still this is the third high profile match that he's had he lost to sammy guevara for the tnt championship he got fucking hit with knuckles, with, with with brass knuckles from Matt Hardy in the Battle Royal, and now he's lost the Fuck the World title from Ricky Stark. So still not the happiest about that, but still great match with the two of them. And um, yeah, can't complain on the match quality. Bro, powers, powerhouse Hobbs out here with this... Uh these airbrushed overalls and the, the fur coat is pretty, pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Um, this was a great match. There's two spots. I remember specifically for it. Jay lethal, like hooked up to go for a suplex and did the macho man finger thing, which was pretty funny. Like where you spin your finger in the air. And then it, uh, there's another spot where he realizes powerhouse Hobbs is behind him. And he does like this very, like step for step macho man reaction to being scared, which was great. And uh, the, I mean, just a ton of great shit in this match. Cause Jay lethal so good. Everything looks so crisp and, and, and shout out to Ricky Starks too. Cause I, I think he did well in this match. Uh, they kind of fucked up their first lethal injection, <laughs> but it didn't look bad. So they just went for it again. Like, both the guys were like, nah, we're going to set up this big finish. And it didn't, like, either Jay didn't have enough speed or, like, they were kind of out of sync. So they just did something else. And then they went for the second one. It was awesome. Like you said, the the finish they had was was great with Ricky Starks. Is that his fucking finisher? Like, a flip? Yeah. Face buster? It's, that's pretty great. And then... um I, I did the first thing I sent you watching the beginning of this match is like this is some WCW ass cruiserweight shit because they were going for like backslide pins and like there's like ten roll up attempts in the first two minutes I'm like I'm down for this this is awesome so like it sucks that Jay Lethal lost but this was a damn good match very worthy of the main event of Rampage and uh, I don't know if he's just there to help put young guys over. I'm cool with it. He's doing a great job. 
I, I like the shit out of this match. Uh, this might be my favorite match I saw all week, Dane. I'm not going to lie. A lot of good stuff on television, but yeah, this is a great match, man. No doubt about it. I thought that Ricky Starks and Jay Lethal both performed top level. Um, Jay Lethal, I mean, really, I know he does a great impersonation, but every fucking maneuver he does, it doesn't matter if it's reversing out of something. Like, it's so macho, man. I do. You, did, does he do, Chris, the whole, like, the one thing that I love that Macho Man does, I swear no one does, where he takes the back of their head, runs them to the outside, jumps over the ropes, and then fucking racks them on their neck like Macho <laughs> Man used to do. Yeah. no you know one does used, that. You know who used to do that is Moxley in WWE. Because oh, really? He, he's, yeah, he's talked about, like, he would specifically try to do as many Macho Man spots as he could in a match to see if anyone noticed, especially at house shows. I think he even talks about it on the Chris Jericho interview. It's pretty fucking funny, but yeah, he used to do that. Uh, yeah, Lethal Lethal does that. He didn't do that in this match, but I think, like, because you, co- like, I don't want to say copy, but because you did that, char- because he did that character, there are certain spots where he does it, not even thinking about it. And the step back from Powerhouse Hobbs is like, you see his facial expression and the way he steps back. Because he does like a shoulder dip, like Mach- Macho does when he sees something kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Or you shoulder step and put your hand up in the air. Like, uh, it's... It's if you're a big Macho Man fan, it's it's spot on. You'll see it. And it wasn't like he was trying to do it for a Macho Man spot. It's just like it just clicked or something in his head. And it was fucking great. And it uh, it made Will Hobbs look like a serious threat because it's like, holy shit, <laughs> Jay Lethal scared out of his mind. Um, just good shit. Jay Lethal's fucking so underrated. So, so good, man. Yeah, I, I hope I hope tonight, if anything, for or last night I should say for Rampage, even though even though he lost, even though Adam Cole beat a lesser person, I would like Adam Cole and also Jay Lethal to be elevated from what happened last night. And especially with what I think is gonna happen next week and us getting even more people on AEW, you know, it's just uh it's becoming one uh, what what I do love about the fact that there are so many fucking, you know, uh, people that would be great for AW, but the limited amount of spots they have due to time is the fact that Tony is smart enough to let a lot of these guys go work other places. Like Jay Lethal just got announced for the Terminus Wrestling, which is Jonathan Gresham over here in Georgia. Maybe me and you would like to check out now that Jay Lethal's on the card. And he allows a lot of those guys to move around. My biggest thing, though, Chris, and this is criticism, you know, uh, if you want to get Paige Van Zant involved in fucking wrestling, great. Awesome. She's definitely got people that she can work with. Serena Deeb comes to mind to help her get better at wrestling in the ring and then actually make her a good opponent. Having someone against her, that would be great. Not fucking Brandy Rhodes. And I'm sorry to go back on this, but... When we're talking about there's not a lot of room to be able to bring someone like a Keith Lee or a Killer Cross or put more room for Jay Lethal, you know, but then you have fucking Brandy having a 15 minute segment to potentially have a match against fucking Paige Van Zant or 
you put whoever always on there, kind of like what Daniel Bryan was talking about. I like 2.0. Why the fuck are they there every week? You know what I'm saying? Like, why the fuck is it that Wheeler Yuta is the person that's going to be used against John Moxley? I understand that was short minute, but that would still be a fucking normal thing when we have all these great wrestlers still a part of the product. So my biggest thing is we know that certain contracts are ending. And the one thing that Tony's doing is allowing contracts to end and just not picking them back up because that's the better thing to do than fucking firing them before their contract comes back up. Not a bad thing at all. But I hope that we see a slim of some certain people or or see them less compared to other fucking wrestlers that should probably be on the product more so than the others. So that's that's my uh, my hope for the future when it comes to AEW. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> no, you're not wrong, and I think that we're going to see more and more of that as we get into, what, the second year of AEW, where these initial contracts will expire. But I, I think you're right on, you know, AEW is the fun place to work, and you don't want the mad firing boss <laughs> at any job you have. And I think Tony Khan's just, he's got fuck you money, so... Uh, just pay those contracts out. Like like I've said multiple times on this show, he he pays his NFL punter more than he pays like <laughs> half. I would say seventy five percent of this roster. <laughs> so um, that's just something to keep in mind. But um, I agree with you. In in the I used to be the when I when I have always talked about this in the past as far as like they don't have enough stuff to go around it's always with the quality of the show but they've somehow done a decent job so far of trying to keep everyone involved i think eventually the wheels will fall off and they probably will need to slim down the roster there's also an easy way to fix it which is go to two hours on friday night and move the time slot and uh I was a proponent for doing it earlier on Friday, maybe like six to eight or something, as opposed to going head to head with SmackDown or moving it to a different night. But I think a second hour at this point with the, as much people as they have on this roster is probably a thing that will happen at some point. Well, that, that that's true. But like I said, if anyone wants to come at me and say, we don't have enough room for wrestler. That's a part of the product a and B or a person that could be a help to this product more so than some of the people you have on your program. But we give, like I said, Brandy a 15, 20 minute ego stroke to get her involved with a female rest. Well, a female fighter that actually by herself, if given right people could contribute towards the product, you know, just, just fucking fuck off. So I gotta say, fuck off. If you think that's better than, I don't know, Jay Lethal being more part of the product or potentially Keith Lee or Killer Cross coming in. But, Dan, they do that stuff on Elevation. You could just watch Elevation. It's on the YouTube. Fuck <laughs> Elevation. <laughs> Fuck YouTube. Give me a goddamn break. There's three hours. That's it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that defense is, it falls on deaf ears for me because like if your best product is supposed to be on TV, then I shouldn't go have to go out of my way to YouTube to watch 
your other shit. It's the same thing with their storylines of the being the lead and Sammy Guevara is gonna vlog and like I'm not <laughs> look, I like like AEW, but I'm not going out of my way to watch all this shit on YouTube. I have other shit to watch on YouTube. Do you know how many gear reviews about guitar there is on YouTube, Dane? There's like a bazillion of those. <laughs> I have other hobbies outside of fucking wrestling. You do? Yeah. It's just like you. I'm sure you're like right now, like on your playlist, there's probably like three video rig breakdowns of John Bonham <laughs> and what he used in various studios or some shit. That's what I'm saying. Is like you, <laughs> you get it. You get what I'm about. <laughs> I always get what you're about. And what I'm about to say is something to say towards everyone out there that's listening to us. That's it. That's the show. So thank you guys so much for listening to us. We had a wonderful show for you. Went over a bunch of stuff. Talked about the Royal Rumble. Talked about Shane McMahon. Where is the money going? Because Here Comes the Money is not going to be the song that I'm going to make Chris put on for our exiting song, if you understand what I'm saying, Chris. Either way, if you guys want to listen to us every week, your new listeners, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. But you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, what have you. Whatever you listen to your product, your your, your uh, different podcasts and songs, search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll find us. All of our past listeners, thank you guys so much. Uh, Chris, say goodbye to all lovely people. Remember, like goodbye. I said, do not put Here Comes the Money as the song going out. Quote, 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 quote fingers. <laughs> So what you're saying is cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money, dollar dollar bill, y'all. Um, there you go. Or the OJs, you know, whatever. <laughs> Which are love train? Just love train. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> money, money, money. God dang it. Love train's a better song, dude. Oh, sorry. What the hell talking about the OJs. Do with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right if you guys want to talk to me on twitter at chris r Patton. on facebook christopher.r.patton look forward to hearing from you guys uh as always have a great week hopefully the show is entertaining yeah and you guys have a great week day night whenever you're listening to us and always come back every week like i said we usually record this on saturdays try to get it out by sunday or monday and just come back every week. Listen to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And as always, thank you so much. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And peace out to all of you people out there.